What's up? This is the Fight Sites MMA podcast. I'm Ed Gallo. We're doing another big group podcast. Um, hopefully, you're listening to this on a free audio platform and we didn't have to paywall it. Uh, last time, the 50th anniversary podcast got a little, little out of hand. Some might say, uh, you know, some people might have called it unreleasable. I don't know. Uh, that's up to personal opinions, but we're going to try to rein it in. And the way that we are attempting to do that this time is to answer listener questions. Uh, usually we charge you for that honor, but it's a celebration. It's a party and it's just a good way for us not to, you know, delve into really inappropriate topics. It'll probably still happen, but less. Or, or I think it's okay. We're yeah. going to be playfully racist as opposed to just plain racist. Yeah, yeah. Our racism before was a reference to, to actual racist, but you don't know that. Uh, it, was, it was privileged uh, humor. We are being ironic. Yeah, we were being ironic, you see. So, But yeah, the point is that we're doing this this week because there's, there is a UFC card this weekend, and it's just there it's garbage. It's so bad. It's so bad. I'm not even going to say who's on it. it. It's so bad. Not even worth referencing, but I did it. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, instead of that, we're going to do this and it's going to be way better and you're going to be happy that we did it. But yeah, we're going to answer a bunch of questions. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons and to the people that responded on Twitter at the Fight Set account uh, to put in your questions. We'll do this again sometime soon, but if you want like an in-depth answer to your question for like a full podcast, like 10, 15 minutes, $10 tier on Patreon, worth your while uh, because if you have a really good topic, we might say, oh, man, we, really, we like that and expand it into further content. You get more than you paid for, but you have to ask a really good question. So it's a challenge to you. It's happened before, but yeah, it's just the promise of, of greater things for your money. That's, uh, that's how we swindle you. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're going to answer some questions. And uh, there is going to be a question after this original question that is going to allow everyone to introduce themselves. And that will happen. But first, I'm going to answer this first question from a new patron. Uh, their name is ABAP. What do we think that stands for? All Ben's are pussies. Oh, man, I've done it already. It's Strong gender identity. Assigned <laughs> something. Assigned Ben at. I'm going Assigned with Ben, ben at, things. At PP? <laughs> Assigned Ben at PP. That, that, I guess that would make sense. All Bantam weights are powerful. At birth. That's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. All, <laughs> all Ben weights are pussies. Oh, anyway, all Ben, oh, all ben Rothwell's are. Right. With the pH. Yeah, that's good too. That's good too. Well, ABAP, you're uh you're you're welcome uh to our, our Discord server and, and to the, the home of uh, fight analysis. No other fight analysts are good. Uh, you now realize we're the only good ones, uh, so you can just throw out everyone else that you've listened to in the past. And uh, yeah, it's just us now. But you have the first question. You asked multiple times, you're very interested in this answer. Uh you asked me directly and in the chat and a lot of times. So you want to know how did the fight site start? How did this all happen? And uh, that's a good question. So here's the answer. We didn't start it. <laughs> the person that started it is not here. Uh, but essentially, the short answer is that Kyle McLaughlin, who is a boxing historian, been writing a long time about combat sports, been watching combat sports a long time, always had this idea that he wanted to have his own site uh, for like quality, you know, sports analysis and articles, um, history, analysis technical work all that jazz always wanted to do it didn't really feel like the staff was available and maybe like you know three years ago about uh we all started to become friends online uh just <laughs> somebody else who, who i'm not going to reference but there was another party involved uh, who got us all together put us in a group chat on twitter and we all became friends and eventually the site was started 
And uh, yeah, it just, it just went from there. Personally, I was somebody who I was managing editor at a website called MMA Sucka, which is just an excellent, great name for a website. No problems with that name whatsoever. Uh, reference to Mr. T. Yeah, I'm of not course. Sure. Of course, yeah. yeah. They, they all know that. For our if younger you viewers, smart, you would understand that. Yeah, not if you're questioning knows the name, that. then it just shows that you're not an intellectual, honestly. Um, but yeah, I was managing well, the editor real, there, <laughs> so the I had real, to. Yeah, I pity the fools who questioned that name. <laughs> so, so the real answer is when a British person and an American person love each other very much. <laughs> Is a Scottish person, a right, British person, right. and a Scottish person, and oh yeah, and a bunch of Americans person, yeah. and other nationalities. But basically, they got us all together, and the fight just started. The fight site started from there. I got really involved uh, administratively just because I had experience, and eventually Kyle didn't want to do it anymore because he's tired of dealing with <laughs> us, and it was a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it, it morphed into what it is today. But got to thank Kyle McLaughlin for starting it, having the idea, starting the domain, doing it all, and he was very involved. And if you want to see his work. It's everywhere. He's been at it a long time, but on the fight site, uh, most of his stuff can be found under the boxing history tabs. He's got a boxing, boxing history. He's got a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, he also wrote a couple of our uh, greatest of all time uh, series articles. You can check those out, like on Sakuraba and Fedor. Excellent stuff. Uh, so shout out Kyle. Awesome dude. He's into a uh, film Twitter now. So if you like movies, some might call them, uh, you should check out his account. So big, big love to Kyle. Hope you're doing well. And we're going to make fun of you so hard a lot. And I don't know when, but it's going to happen. All right. <laughs> that's uh, that's the first the first uh, question. Thank you for asking. Here's the second question. It's going to allow everyone to introduce themselves. This is from Evan Lee, who asked a lot of Patreon questions, uh, has fueled a lot of good podcast topics in the past with the Fight Sites MMA podcast. So thank you, Evan. And I'm he wants to know... Though. What's up? And Tangry I've made an yeah. entire listener mailback episodes based on uh, Evan Lee's question. Thanks, Evan. Oh, you're the best. Um, Evan's curious to hear us talk about the origins of everybody at the fight site. And like it, when I hear origins, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like uh, I was bitten by a radioactive fight analyst and I became <laughs> <laughs> the man who sell for me today. And now, and now I choose fighters depending on their haircuts or something. I'm all out of web right now, but I'd show you otherwise. Um, he said, I know Kyle started it all, but I'm curious how he discovered everyone. Well, I, I just explained that. So there's that part of the question. Um, but he wants to bitten. know, like, who are bitten. you people? Oh, go ahead. Bitten by a radioactive Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. That's how the <laughs> started. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing that could possibly possess you to name a website about MMA after Mr. T. Like, there's no connection. And that was before the 18 movie came out with, with Rampage. So... Yeah, we're we're, if we're you really don't know who Mr. T is. You haven't got a Scoobies. We're we're bringing <laughs> <laughs> we're bringing up a year and a half old Twitter piece as is tradition Mr. for this 50th episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to add, like, Mr. T isn't like even affiliated in any way to MMA. Like, he was in Rocky. No yeah, there was but... no boxing coverage on the website, but I mean, there's some combat sports connection. I tried to write boxing thing and they like didn't want me to yeah what's well, like, you suck of Fuck course you my my chess website is named after digimon stupid review <laughs> <laughs> shout out digimon it's good stuff, shout out. Good stuff. it's Indeed. it's pokemon but uh but with hot chicks instead of better. animals it's, it's a lot better the evolutions make hot less sense but they're missiles. better 
<laughs> evolutions are way cooler for sure goes from the, the the dog who is like not a dog he's like wearing a wolf pelt and then he becomes an actual wolf but he clearly wasn't a wolf the first time he's wearing a wolf he's, pelt and then his third he's evolution he's, he's like a man oh, okay okay we're, we're good <laughs> we're good and, moving on moving on and then it's on. a bdsm so Cuba's no shut, up, shut the fuck up we're moving Dan, on i know you want to talk about digimon <laughs> yeah i've never heard I, of can, and I, it, I was scarred for to... life but we need to move on dan you want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh? i know it i know it you're right, but shut the fuck up. <laughs> Do it. Anyway, so this is our universe. opportunity to all chat um, about ourselves, and we're going to go around and I guess we'll just do the order that you're on my screen. But uh, I just you know, want everyone to go around and say you know, how they arrived in this space and how, how we all know each other. Um, Evan also wants to know if you have any passions outside of fighting. I don't. Um, maybe specifically <laughs> passions that you like to analyze. I know a couple of you that'll work for, but just based on the order on my screen, we're actually going to start with Sandro, who uh, you might know on Twitter as Cool Thought, and uh, his handle is Jabzuda, which is a highly coveted uh, handle. That that's a good. That was a good get. It's it's also a handle that I'm, messed up my ability to pronounce uh, Zabjuda's name. Oh yeah, it's Jabzuda. Same. I'm I'm pretty sure I got um like uh like I got uh sort of like um not suspended, but like I mean I have been suspended, but I got um like uh shadow banned for like a day, and I'm pretty sure it's because they were trying to figure out if I was like posing as Zen Judah. <laughs> there's like no other it was just like a day where I couldn't do anything and I was like I'm pretty sure this is what's going on they're like reviewing my account um but you know uh yeah I mean I'm I'm uh fight site uh affiliated um but I I don't actually like do content uh because I'm like horribly unreliable um and I have a worse eye for MMA than uh like everybody else here um Ooh. so yeah so um ben's here so i don't know <laughs> well the only content i've there done go. are are a horrible horrible podcasts that i make so much worse but yeah no i was just i got added to the group chat because um i guess i think ryan liked my jokes on reddit and now i don't use reddit um so yeah that's pretty much the whole story he's evolved um, past the need for reddit we stole him yeah <laughs> he really did <laughs> got in the group chat and i was like i don't need you fucking get into six paragraph long arguments with guys with the name colby nuthugger like I, snakes I bandana yeah <laughs> oh my god jesus christ uh, yeah, sandra so what are your me. passions outside of fighting um i like running i like lifting um i like cars i like guns i like bikes there we go guns um, should have been number one yeah i, I like uh what girls a really strong uh it's pretty much yeah, Glad if to you guess, can, yeah. If, you, if you're a girl and you can like lift a lot of weight, hit me up. Uh, I'm extremely normal. You forgot to add that you are. You <laughs> oh, forgot yeah, to add that running and lifting. Extremely normal. Sounds like out of all of us, Sandro is the most complete human being. Yeah, <laughs> I see. He's the, Val- <laughs> the Valentina Shevchenko of the side of the fight side. That should definitely Sandro be could be CEO bio. of any company in the world. That's true. Um, all right. Yeah. Good stuff. Tumen, you're next. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, well, I know. Where, where, I don't know where to even start. Uh, birth, well, I think. Just go birth those, to present. Yeah, I've, I was born on, the, on a stormy night, etc., etc. Yeah, um, those of you who actually listened, who may have listened to some of uh, Fight Side content outside of MMA podcasts, I uh, write articles. Sometimes people say they're good. 
I don't know personally, but I've heard good things about my stuff. And I also host the Tangry Dome podcast. That, um, that's, think of it as uh, the MMA podcast, but also the one where I say weird shit every episode because I'm not a coward. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I'm also very active on the Discord. So if you want to ask me any questions, just join our Discord. It's, uh, it's just five bucks once again plugging the thing and uh yeah uh the way i started with the fight site it's uh i've always been sort of involved with uh, doing reviews and stuff i was i was uh, a video game movie and pop culture blogger for as long as i can remember for as long as i could form a coherent sentence mostly was active in on the russian part of the internet uh because that's where i'm from and uh, that's uh my second language and uh, yeah uh, then I kind of sort of burned out on the whole thing on the industry because it's, it's just kind of a mess and so covering the, those like uh, an endless torrent of uh, like mediocre superhero movies just kind of really wore me out and then I moved towards fighting because I thought oh it's actually real people beating each other up it's more interesting it's uh, there's not going to be all that any of that stupidity Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but still, uh, I got interested. I got hooked and spent about three or maybe two years just doing nothing but watching fights, watching uh, breakdowns, fight breakdowns, reading articles. Uh, started with stuff like um, uh, Slack's podcast, Slack's articles, and uh, the Heavy Hands Boys. And then I sort of moved, worked my way towards the MMA soccer stuff, like uh, the original gang, Ed, Danny, Danny Martin, and uh, Ryan Sriram, and just kind of followed them on Twitter and started started engaging them in uh, shit posting threads. And apparently, I've been found funny enough to be added to a chat once again, uh, just as Sandra was. And uh, it's kind of it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Let's he called me way. a cunt on Twitter, and I was like, "Hey, yeah. this guy's pretty cool. We should add him." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it was like I think it was. Uh, uh, a thread with one of the founders, one of the fight side founders, and then Ryan said something about some fighter, some meme, some kind of meme shit, and I went, fuck off, cunt. <laughs> and then my phone exploded from all the uh, notifications that I got from the messages that were in the group chat that I've been added in. <laughs> so if you want to get your work published, you can just like insult us on Twitter and maybe we'll hire you. People have but tried that, but it's, it's a fine art. You can't just you know throw out random insults. So you got to get it just you have right. To. You have to skip that line. You got to go for Ryan. You have to be obnoxious really and know things about MMA. You can't just have one of those things. If your insults make Ryan come, you get added to the group. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, pretty you much. You got to grab him by the balls by the right angle. <laughs> you have to grab him by the balls. You have to uh, kind of uh, exude that energy of a really mean girl that uh, insults people for money on OnlyFans and stuff like that. And, um, you have to have McDonald's girl energy. Yeah, yeah, which I have in spades. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and basically, but a boy. Yeah, and basically that's my interest. That's the extent of my interest. I've always had a sort of like a, a very, uh, I don't know, an overly analytical mind. I wouldn't just sit there and just enjoy stuff. I would just constantly think about, well, but how, why did this happen? How did this happen? And it just sort of spiraled from there. And uh, my interests uh, that I like to analyze is just, basically any interest that I have. I analyze everything. It's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a nightmare. I want to die. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but uh, I guess it got me a job here.
So it's a prerequisite for the fight site. Yeah. Right. Cool. Thank you, sir. Dan Albert. Hello. Uh, Hi. Stop, stop plotting. Um, okay. So my whole backstory with this is, so I've been into combat sports since I was about um, maybe 2013, uh, where I discovered good old Hagglerhorns on just a random uh, bout of curiosity. And then I just got involved with it. And with me and basically anything I get into, I just gradually like to research it until I understand it. Uh, and eventually I just discovered kind of the same analytical content that say Tuman just talked about. And eventually I discovered the good old fight site persons uh, thought, you know what, might as well try my hand, talk to them because I am alone a lot and, you know, making friends is neat. And so I just started talking to them more, joined their discord, uh, was active on there. And I just decided, you know what, uh, this analysis thing, I could maybe try my hand at it. And so I did for a while. I have my own personal blog that I've deleted like eight times with various analysis that I always rewrite or delete and whatnot. Um, it still has current things up there right now, old articles I used to write covering some fights. And eventually um, people told me I was decent at it. And eventually, um, um, you know, I just created just some relationships online and whatnot. And that was that was pretty cool. Um, though the real reason TFS hired me, though, if we're being totally honest, is because no one else will accept my resume. Do you know how hard it is to find work when your only qualifications are big and square? Only hacks will get that joke. Okay, so anyways, I um, mostly I just watch fighting because I think it's good to build empathy for these individuals. Um, and I just honestly enjoy watching it. Um, it's definitely not my main interest, though. I have a lot of things in my everyday life I care about. I'm a big, like, video game person. I enjoy reading. I enjoy writing a lot. Um, I used to blog a lot more. I uh, am currently fixing my old exercise routine again, but fucking COVID destroyed all my muscle mass, and so I'm pissed about it. Used to swim, wanted to work on it a bit more. Um, but my, my main aspirations, um, I used to be a... Uh, I wanted to go into education, didn't work out for me. So mainly right now I'm trying to get into the medical field to be a therapist for uh, people with special needs, namely disabilities such as autism, because uh, it's a big uh, interest of mine and I care a lot about it. And that's really my life in a nutshell. Good nuts. Good nuts, Dan. All right. Skipping Ben, obviously. On to, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Ben. I pity you. <laughs> um i'm the only person who predicted sterling winning the title so they brought me on board um i i got my origin story for the fight site is basically i was uh, arguing with somebody um who was a part of the site that was mentioned earlier about khabib versus aldo and Suram got involved and I think Ed got involved. You got involved also. I don't remember exactly. But, you got uh, dunked on probably. I, dunked I don't on. remember. <laughs> I did get dunked on, although considering how uh, his career ended, I may have to uh, still pick Khabib. No, uh, um, so after getting dunked on, I said, hey, maybe I might be wrong on this. No problem. So Suram is like, holy shit, somebody listened on the internet. And then I also messaged Kyle going, your boys are, uh, are really aggressive. And then uh, 
I met, we were talking and I said, oh, you should bring me on as a jujitsu guy. And he's like, I actually was thinking about doing that anyway. I think he said that he spoke with you, Ed, and then it happened. So would you be a good fit as the jujitsu guy, Ben? You forgot that. Yeah. Um, So that was basically it. And ever since then, they've uh, let me stay on. Ben, you're a purple belt under Marcelo Garcia. That's important. (laughs) Kind of your credentials. It's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I am a purple belt under Marcelo Garcia. I've been training there since uh, February 2012. Um, Looking to make my MMA debut in a month or so. And I'm going to ask Trey for some, some pointers on that. But uh, hobbies outside of fighting are really just, I really love to cook. Like, I really, really do enjoy that. Um, the beef jerky thing was just, I made it for family once when I went there and everyone liked it. Then I made it for some friends when we went there and people were like, you should sell this. I, I really love cooking. I would ideally be able to like make that into a career if not like, that's outside of like a fighting thing but yeah that's that's basically most of my hobbies outside just show us your meat <laughs> show us the meat uh i'm, I'm we're not talking about the jerky no no we're not at this point <laughs> uh uh i would love to like open a restaurant or something like that like that would obviously be a dream for me outside of opening a gym for jiu-jitsu or something but like a, a restaurant would be like something I'd love god to pick a lane then jeez nope I, I love doing different things, but I would really love to do a restaurant. That's awesome. I'll go. I'll patronize you. All right, cool. Great stuff. Great stuff, everybody. Interesting I mean, we people. patronize them all the time. <laughs> In a more literal sense. Um, but yeah, next on my on my screen is uh, Fenyo. So show us show us that accent. Talk about yourself. Hey guys, I'm I'm Fenyo. I'm from Chile. Um. My story with the fight side is kind of interesting. I mean, it's not interesting, it's boring as fuck, but so I've been an MMA fan for a really long time. I started reading like Jack Slack articles and seeing videos on YouTube. Um, So I started, I was friends in Facebook with Lawrence Kenshin, I think. And he added me to this stupid fucking group on Facebook. And then I was added to a, to a Slack server. And in, in that Slack server, I met Ryan. And, and I knew Ryan's videos. But so I was like fanboying over him, like a little bitch. Still and then does, I realized I realized he was complete trash after that. So <laughs> <laughs> he was so trash that I created a Twitter account just to simp him. So, so yeah, um, eventually he started responding to my tweets <laughs> and and then i was added to a, a group chat or something and and then one one day i made a uh just engaging video just for just for the sake of it and the guys on the fight side was were like hey do you want to make those videos bad for us and i was like yeah sure so yeah that's that's it now i made i make ton of videos for the fight um other than combat sports i mean I, i've been training too for a long time i train on in muay thai and and straight up mma for quite some time other than that i like i like music a lot i'm a composer i like pixel art i make stupid drawings with squares sometimes and i like i'm into working out calisthenics and shit 
Um, I ride a bike now. So that's my identity now. So yeah, that's that's me. Next. Best abs on staff, for sure. He's ashamed. They will get they they are in shambles right now, but they take your shirt they'll off. They'll be back. Well, let's see what in shambles means for you. I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, my, I'm doing my best to overtake. Take things. your shirt off. Matter. It doesn't even matter. Then like, genetics I, are important. I don't think you can get there. I, uh, yeah, well, Jewish genetics. What are we going to do? I'd speak for yourself. I, I have good app genetics. I'm glad Ben said it because <laughs> I didn't want to. Anyway, on to the next. <laughs> Trayvon. Oh, the star, the star of the show. Uh, I'm going to speed run this because we have a lot of people to get through. Um, don't you dare speed on this. Yeah, I'm going to go quick. <laughs> uh, no, I've been following MMA forever, like absolutely ever since 2004. Things led to things. I've uh, seen articles, read, watch videos, Ryan and OG in the game, watch this stuff, Connor Rubish, Jack Slag, you know, all the OGs in the game. Uh, I was on Bloody Elbow a lot. Side note, I've met, I used to see Ben a whole lot on Bloody Elbow. Never like really interacted with him, but I remember Ben a lot on Bloody Elbow back in the days. Um, skipping some more things. Uh, I kind of have no idea how I got invited into the group now that I think about it. Uh, I guess I was on Twitter and following the people, and I never even really interacted with them either as well, now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I guess they just liked me for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, so, like, they – I got added into a group chat as, like, 95% of the people here because I'm not, I'm not a TFS actual person, unfortunately. Uh, but no, yeah, pretty much that. Been watching videos forever. Been looking at articles forever. These people are lovely people, so I'm going to let them speak. They have a lot of things to say, so. So you fight, like actually fight? The most important part. <laughs> that's the, the most important part. That's, that, is the lame, that is the lamest part, honestly. Honestly, it's the lamest part. Beating people up is so corny. I, it really is, man. Like, it, that's the lamest part. But yeah. He's an undefeated <laughs> amateur fighter, and he's very good. He's very good. He's going to be He's gonna be very successful. Listen, Already I is. The, I, I should be the one saying that. You guys don't have to say that. I should be saying Obviously, I think very you highly didn't. of myself. <laughs> I think very Wait, there's footage of you fighting, but you guys... and I saw you just uh, make a guy miss all of his strikes and then knock him out with one punch. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's all right, you know that guy. That guy's very nice, but he wasn't the best, so I can't. I can't speak yet. I haven't fought any competition yet. I mean, people get really far in their careers without fighting anybody good, so it's not like a really knock against you. <laughs> but again, like I said, you guys, I'm here with a beautiful group of people. They're very interesting. I want to hear what they have to say. So on to the next person because we, yeah, don't have much time. <laughs> My beautiful co-host, Sriram. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Sriram. I'm the silhouette. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about myself. Um, I kind of came through the same MMA Saka pipeline, but through a different website that's like kind of, I'd say occupying the same space. So I started out on Reddit, like a lot of people. Uh, I was stupid. I still am, but less stupid. Uh, okay. That, that's also an option. I'll do that later at, uh, but uh, I went through fansided, which was uh, kind of tough to deal with just because it was like it was if you go to fansided, it's pretty much just a news site. and I'm awful at it. Uh, and then I got recruited by the body lock, which was fun because I got to actually write cool stuff. Uh, that's when I started putting my Reddit chip posting on Twitter. And then the, the boys on Reddit kind of recruited me to the group chat. And I've been there ever since and uh, brought in on the ground floor of the fight site. Um, the chat's telling me to talk about heroin. Uh, and the reason for that is that I'm an accounting major and that's the the, uh, the occupational pastime. When we're not doing accounting, we're doing heroin. So I guess I'd call that my passion insofar as having any other passions. Uh, 
um, which I, I kind of don't because I'm a very limited individual. So, uh, you know, Brazilian counterpunchers, the New England cartel and uh, debits and credits. I feel like everyone's selling them short, sells really short, but that's okay. Sandra, what's up? You were, you were acting like you had something to say and now you're on the spot. No, I just agreed that uh, uh, Sir should talk about how fucking awesome he is at that stick game. He's really good. <laughs> what's the name of the game? It's like stick fight. It's like, it's cost like five bucks. It's called stick fight the game. I sent Sandra clips because like I sent it to him once after he saw me play Those it on with, with They're Indian so good. music. Fucking Indian rock, music. Dude, they go so hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> so hard. Fucking hard. I love that shit. It's fucking John Wicking people in that game. It's so good. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was the downside of being on Discord with everyone is everyone could see what games I was playing all the time. Like, oh, they shouldn't know how often I'm playing Heroes of Might and Magic 3. I, I turn that off. <laughs> that game <laughs> rules, though. It's the best. It's good. It's good. Sriram selling himself short is uh, really not that much out of character. No. So, so I guess this this was a perfect introduction for him, anyway. Mm-hmm. Getting a feel for his personality. Uh, here's someone whose personality you're not going to get a feel for. Paxarize, uh, the most interesting man in the world. Well, I've already been falsely advertised. Uh, I, depending on who you ask, I'm either a mathematician or an economist. I work in incredibly exciting fields like tax economics and developmental economics. Uh, I kind of ended up with this interesting assortment of people because um, I took some time off from following combat sports. I've pretty much been following it my whole life. I trained in it as a child. Um, about, I think it was 2007, 2000, uh, 2018, came back to Twitter, saw all these random people getting into fights on the internet because John Jones can't box, started commenting, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this fucker called Ed, and this <laughs> added me to a chat with all of my friends, none of whom I knew, and uh, things progressed to where they are now. Uh, other interests, I would say I have a pretty big interest in a lot of what I would call dueling so like everything from one-on-one video game dueling like Quake to uh, guys beating each other up with metal swords and pretending they're still in the European times. M1 M1 challenge with the uh, the night fighting. That that that's going to be Patreon con- content someday. We're going to we're going to commentate some some night fights for sure. They're good. Some of those guys are, are doing some advanced. You've shit. seen the video of the where they're decked out in armor, they have a sword and shield, and one guy just kicks the other in the face. Yeah. yeah. And then the ground and pound with the shield is insane. Oh my god, that should not be allowed. Um, but it's awesome. I mean, historical martial arts are all kind of interesting and fun. So I guess uh, M1 could be an avenue for that in the future. <laughs> Read uh, MMA with like gauntlets, like metal gloves. MMA with yeah, like no gloves. helmets. It's fatal. <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no helmets. MMA, sure. but with guns. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> MMA, but it's naval combat. 100 versus 100 MMA teams with guns and <laughs> combat. One <laughs> versus 100, and it's choreographed like the fight scenes in Indian movies. <laughs> <laughs> You've just if invented wrestling war. Was like that, I'd be into it. All right, next person. We're almost there. You just invented war with less rape. <laughs> <laughs> we can't release this podcast either well, i'm trying really hard not to have to pay all this one but we're, we're pretty far gone already anyway <laughs> Sorry, man. it's not gonna get any better because ryan's next 
<laughs> hey guys, I've done uh, various fight things, fight related things for like 15 years at this point. Um, I started training MMA out of some Russian dude's garage when I was like, I don't know, fucking eight or nine years old. Uh, I competed in kickboxing, Muay Thai and MMA, kind of. I had like 15 amateur kickboxing and Muay Thai fights. Uh, I did a bunch of those shitty pancreation tournaments where it's like MMA, but on puzzle mats and you're not allowed to strike the head on the ground. So you can like knock them out with head kicks and punches or whatever. But once you take them down, you, you can only punch them in the body because ground and pound is too dangerous. Apparently, if you've watched any of like those Kyoji Horiguchi Shudo videos, uh, like the amateur tournaments he was in, it's basically that I did a bunch of grappling tournaments too. Um, and then, yeah, after I've been training for like 10 years, I started writing about it and doing all the internet stuff we've talked about, but you guys don't give a shit about. Um, aside from that, passions outside of fighting, I don't really have many. I like consuming things, video games and TV shows and all that, but I don't really have any interesting passions, which is kind of bad because I also don't really care much about MMA anymore. Uh, I should I should start finding something to do. I, uh, this I reminds me of that episode. Yeah, of we're all clinically tracks. depressed. That's the last part of this. I'm not. <laughs> Very, <laughs> convincing. Very convincing. <laughs> on one of our Ryan. first podcasts, somebody commented on YouTube, like, you guys sound like you want to kill ourselves, kill yourselves. And that's, <laughs> to me, our most defining feature as a website. I think, I think it's pretty fair to say that I'm the only podcast host that doesn't sound like he wants to kill himself whenever he records. You just sound like you want to kill all of us. I'm not trying to sound like that. It just happens. That's right. just how I am. I can't hide my true intentions. We're doing great. We're doing great. This is going so well. No, no issues thus far. Uh, last Brian person's good. Likes, Go ahead. Brian also likes Star Trek. They forgot to mention that. I do. Yes. Oh, mostly Deep Space Nine. A lot of them are kind of shit. So that's basically, he's an embarrassing that's person. That's fuck? <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Ryan's also the best analyst in, in combat sports. He can do it all. He's very good. I hate him yeah, so much, but he's the best one. You can he's basically the wake and the best objectively. You can, you, you, you can basically wake Ryan up at three a.m. or like four a.m. Uh, tell him a bunch of names, and he'll describe what they did and what they do in every fight and his, their entire style down to the smallest detail. And then he'll tell you to fuck off and fall back asleep. Probably <laughs> call you a slur while he let it. While he said it, <laughs> it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Anyway, <laughs> last person you might not be as familiar with if you only consume our MMA content. Uh, but he's a good guy. He's on our wrestling staff. Uh, he he's a a talented wrestler himself. He competes, and uh, yeah, he's he's gonna be doing lots of content for the Olympics. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm hoping that. This is me asking him to do that. Uh, but Jack, what's what's going on? Also, tell everyone your Twitter handle because no one will yeah, know that your up, name everybody? is Jack otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, at oldest greatest on Twitter. Um, I'm most famous for doing the AJ Ferrari uh, Younger Bastida video where he they're wrestling and he like grabs his dick. But um, the thigh pry. Yeah, what um so I'm just supposed to say how I got into this. Yeah, how'd you end up with the website and what are your, your interests and passions? Hmm. Yeah, so I I got into kind of MMA analysis, uh listening to the Heavy Hands podcast. And I wanted to do things like that for wrestling. Somehow I kind of came across Ed and 
Ryan and everybody else on Twitter. Um, ended up writing for MMA Sucka very briefly. Uh, and then it was at the start of the pandemic, there was a wrestling event. Uh, and, and I wrote a preview article for it. Uh, that, that was my, uh, my debut for the fight site. And then uh, throughout that, throughout 2020, basically, previewed a lot of the, uh, the events. And ha- haven't done as much, but that's mostly because I've been, like, actually wrestling, which has been nice. Uh, also because I only like doing previews uh, of, like, single matches. I hate doing previews of tournaments, and we're back to that now. But uh, hopefully uh, some Olympic stuff outside of this. Um, uh, I mean, I've been playing a lot of football manager lately. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mostly watch wrestling and lift and stuff for wrestling at this point. That's all you need, man. In life. This, is, this has been the ASMR segment of this podcast. <laughs> and you have a uh, an ongoing beef with uh, Pelican Head. May he burn uh, in hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So that's everybody that's here today. Uh, we're, we're all very expressive with our tone. No monotone here. Everyone is very happy to be alive. And we're going to answer some questions. That was a long time. But I feel like if you're listening to this, you care about us and who we are so you're way like, the fuck too much why are yeah, you still here it, it's a problem you should you should look into yeah, that like but, i mean yeah, i don't care about myself as much as you guys apparently care about us i mean all of us should like go outside or something like that's grass all of all of our <laughs> listeners are psychos every Absolutely. bit of content has uh, has that threshold you need to cross in order to be our fan or to be our regular listener just so it, it should be a wake up that, call for you at this point that, that, you, that you're still here. You need what are you doing with your life? Like, <laughs> whoever is listening to this, you need intervention. And I would, uh, would ask you to reach out to your close, uh, close ones, loved but, ones, your friends. The dude that asked about our passions really doomed this Dan. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> passionate Thank about you, my Evan dog, Lee. Toasty. Thanks, Seven Lee. <laughs> spreading her image to the world, creating a religion based around her. That's that's one of my main passions. Um, yeah, speaking of psychotic people who support us, we're about to read their questions and, and answer them. So, Evan Lee, you, you took up about an hour of this podcast, probably. Um, it probably wasn't that long, but it was too long. So and here we, we go. Still, <laughs> and we still didn't describe most of us in, in exact detail. No, we everyone was pretty over. quick. Especially Trey. I'm really disappointed in him. Didn't give himself yeah. nearly enough credit. We, we skimmed over so much. Hacks in particular could could have taken up an entire episode by himself. We'll have a whole episode just for Hacks to tell his life story. Yeah. <laughs> if he's willing. Anyway. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan, we should put the interest at the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Questions from patrons. So this question comes from... He has many names on Discord. But his name is Kobe. Um, I don't know what his nickname is on Discord right now. I'm not even going to try to figure it out. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, <coughs> bless you. <laughs> he should probably. Uh, he should also touch grass. I, I think. But his questions about Ilya Topuria, uh, rising USC featherweight. 
he wants to know if Toporia being so short will help or hinder his ability to pressure fuck is how he wrote it. Um, so I guess if generally we just want to comment on Toporia and, you know, the function of height in the division or anything else of that nature, uh, the floor is yours. And if you feel like you want to speak, but you can't cut through the noise, use the hand raising function and I'll get you. First of all, can we establish how short Topuria is? Because I'd never five, really seven. thought of him. He's five oh, really? foot seven, wow. which seems, is the ideal height for MMA. He seems to be like an actual five seven, and I don't not think that's actually five, like. Seven? I don't if think you, yeah. if you tell people you're five seven, you're probably not lying about it. Why would you not <laughs> say like five eight? <laughs> yeah, the thing about uh, heights as the five eight is basically five nine. She's essentially in five ten, basically six foot in like big shoes. So I mean, yeah. I mean, in a good day, six four. So <laughs> I mean, to bring this back around to MMA, um, being short actually is quite a bit of a hindrance for MMA. I think just the the makeout of the champs, how who's won belts and who's excelled as elite in good divisions have kind of proven that there's an ideal body type, and being short and stocky really doesn't fit with it. But obviously that disadvantage can be mitigated. And the two main ways to do that are either do what Volkanovski does and get really good at uh, extending the distance, uh, using a lot of throwaway strikes to close distance into your range and to bait out guys, drawing them onto counters, or you get good at pressuring, closing distance, enforcing your range. And Topuria definitely has a good skill set to mitigate that height disadvantage, especially with the body work. Body work is super important for... Uh, small guys who want to get into range and close distance being short also facilitates his wrestling makes it easier to get onto guys hips which also further connects to his body punching Uh, so I definitely think there is kind of an uphill battle for guys that are short and stocky but he has a pretty good style for overcoming that disadvantage thanks Ryan hacks you had your hand up first I would say, like, if there's any ways in which he'll be held back by his height, it'd be less in absolute terms and more in the lack, lack of knowledge within mixed martial arts as a competitive sport of how to really use and build on the skills needed to succeed by a shorter fighter. Like, in particular, let's call a spade a spade. There's not a lot of pressurers in MMA that approach pressure in any kind of, like, you know, systemic way. And the ones that do usually don't prioritize their defense enough. So, yeah, I would say he, the skills that he's building on look pretty good, but he's probably going to be let down by the, if you like, ecosystem around him more than any individual, for lack of a better word, body shortcomings. Yeah, he trains at a gym in Spain, and I don't want to generalize, but I feel like there aren't any like actual high-level gyms in Spain, but I, do, I know he visits the US, but I don't know he's visiting the best gyms right now. He was at MMA Masters, which is like, where like Jacare and Mike Perry went in Florida, which, you know, if you're going to South Florida, or I think it was like Central Florida, if you're going to Florida. Isn't from, that in a mall? That's in a mall. Yeah, it's right? in a mall. If you're going from Spain to Florida, why don't you go to any of the other like five gyms there and not MMA Masters? But yeah, he's good. He's good. So I'm not worried. But Shri Ram, you had your hand up. Yeah, I think the best example for what Ryan mentioned of a pressure who you really uses body work to get in is John Lineker. But it also kind of shows the limitations or rather not the limitations, but the sort of attributes that a fighter tends to need to play that sort of game. Uh, not a ton of fighters are defensively strong enough to pressure without getting hit too much. Uh, and especially the sort of aggressive pressure that's required to, um, 
to get in on someone way longer. Like we've seen Lineker do it several times, right? Rob Font, uh, Corey Sandhagen, a fairly high level competition, but he's also just insanely durable. He punches really, really, really hard. And Ilya Toporia, he did beat up Damon Jackson, but I don't, with all due respect, and I'm not sure how much is due. I'm not sure how good of a win that is. Um, so it's the sort you. of thing where <laughs> he did beat Bekdich. I don't know. Is Bekdich isn't good. He's uh, great. I mean, Bektich. Bektich loses fights the same way Conor McGregor thinks he loses fights, but for real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the sort of thing where you really need those sort of attributes, in my opinion, to be super successful if you're playing the Lineker game and not the the Volkanovski game. Um, and I mean, Topuria still seems young. He can make it work uh, either by changing his approach completely or by just developing super strong defense going in. But uh, I'm not really sure if he has that sort of, you know, it takes a ton of conditioning, a ton of durability, and just probably a fuck ton of power. So I, we should probably wait and see on that one. Um, I, I'd like to add, like, in featherweight, this is a division, strangely, where a lot of short people had been successful. I mean, Aldo was champion. I mean, not especially short, but the same height as Topuria. Uh, we have uh, Frankie Edgar wrestles the fuck out of tall people in that division, including Charles Oliveira. Um, we had Chad Mendes, uh, current champion. So, I mean, all of those guys are shorter than Topuria. So it may be like coincidental or a meta thing about the division, but I don't think he's all that disadvantaged yet. And so... Yeah, I think uh, it would be fair to say that uh, he's not as much disadvantaged but by his height as uh, much as he, as he is disadvantaged by his style. An ability to develop that style and uh, whether he'll be able to get the skills necessary to mitigate whatever advantages yes, that I mean, he may have. One thing that that's not talk uh, um, is not talk about enough about short people is that they have trouble um, controlling people in the ground in MMA. Like for example, um, uh, Braceres is fucking huge. He's like close to two hundred pounds probably when he fights at the welterweight, and he's a high level black belt still has tons of trouble maintaining guys on the ground just because their levers are so long and they just can't post far enough so where he can't reach. So maybe he'll, he'll have trouble moving forwards, trying to control longer guys. But we haven't seen it done. I mean, Frankie Edgar controlled the fuck out of a lot of guys. To be fair, Frankie Edgar has like long arms, I think, but still, he's just 5'6". Yeah, maybe when he fights short people, uh, tall people, he's just going to punch them in the um, body and not have to worry about controlling them on the ground. Uh, I so mean, that's nice. One thing that has to be pointed out is that some many tall people aren't also all that good at fighting tall in MMA. So or at all. Kind of, at any yeah, it's it kind of <laughs> it's kind of evens out. <laughs> His issue yeah, is going to be sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's also a thing where even though uh, a lot of small people or shorter people have gotten some success in featherweight, the division's also gotten really, really, really big recently. Yeah. Um, you know, That's Max Holloway. Particularly challenged example. people. <laughs> Max Holloway is just a massive featherweight. Calvin Cater, Shane Burgos. Uh, well, I don't know if Burgos is that relevant anymore, but um, well, Kira and Burgos are Barboza. so fucking big, man. Yeah, like Barboza was a decently sized Barboza. lightweight and he moved down. He looks like a skeleton Bar down there. Barboza, Barboza was never like, I, I've never heard ever in history someone said, you know, Edson Barboza is too small for lightweight. Like, it's wild. 
it, it doesn't make any sense, but like, I think that's what's generally going to make it tough. He got wrestled by Khabib, therefore. Yeah. Seven, it's listen, a size seven issue. Years ago, he, looks, he looks surprisingly spry at featherweight. Yeah, seven but, years ago, no one thought like Kuf Swanson or or Aldo were small at featherweight. Now Kuf Swanson fights every fight and he looks like super small. And, yeah. and there's no way he can make bantamweight. Like he's yeah. too big for bantamweight, but he's too small for featherweight. Yeah, like Chikadze is another one where like Cub Swanson wasn't a t- tiny featherweight at all. And Chikadze looked like two heads taller than him. It's wild. And I don't think someone like Frankie Edgar would have, uh, he, he's good enough in his prime to have a good amount of success. And, uh, you know, as we saw with Yaya Rodriguez, being big isn't all that it's cracked up to be. But it would be tougher for a smaller guy to be champion. It makes it all the more impressive what uh, Volkanovski's done against a really, really big featherweight, Max Holloway, how he just completely shut him down. Um, the ones, aside from just the size problem, um, it, pretty much a, a lot of, if you look at the actual rankings, like a lot of the fighters are also like really solid outfighters. Um, so that, in addition to being a smaller guy, uh, from a height perspective, he's going to have to contend with the fact that there are guys who are going to be able to outfight with him and do it better uh, than he might be able to efficiently pressure. So in addition to the issue of the fact that he's going to have, you know, three, four, five inch height and reach disadvantages to work under, he's also going to have to really improve his, you know, ability to, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> right. um, to, to actually cut up the cage. And even someone like Volkanovsky or someone like Mendez, they may be short, but they are brick shit houses. And Tapuria is pretty solid, but he's still kind of young, so we don't know how much more he'll grow into himself. Um, but Volkanovski, I don't know if you guys have heard this mentioned by the uh, uh, commentary team, but did you know he used to play rugby and weigh like 247,000 pounds? <laughs> but being serious, Volkanovski might be shorter than everyone, but I, I don't think a lot of featherweights are outweighing him by a, by a decent Oh, amount. he's stronger decent than amount. probably virtually every other featherweight. He's so heavy. Like, yeah. he outweighed Chad Mendes for, like, for almost 10 pounds when they fought. And Chad I Mendes saw Volkanovski beat, take down Craig Jones like and Izzy house. in practice, so he probably beat John Jones. <laughs> that's my proof. But, yeah, that's a good question, uh, Kobe. Oh, There's God, lots of, so to discuss about that. That's so <laughs> embarrassing. Fucking Adesanya, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm consistently embarrassed for MMA fighters. I'm in a, a constant state of embarrassment. But we got oh, we got so many questions to go over. We're like, oh, yeah, that's not that many questions. We can do that easy. Then we spent 30 minutes on one of them. So let's try to move on. Um, but uh, Dan Albert, if you don't mind, uh, we got like five questions about metas in MMA and divisions and all, all sorts of things. And uh, you were thinking that we could probably condense those into one discussion. So do you have any good way to, to frame that and, and get us going for that? Yeah. So he, here's what we need to do. So um, we talk about meta a lot. So basically what does meta mean? So uh, in short, meta is basically like the self-referentials to how something works. Basically the explanations for how things work. So you're looking at trends, the rules, highlights, or just generally like basic ideas. So I think the premise of most of these questions are what kind of trends are we seeing amongst fighters stylistically in this sport? And where do we see those trends necessarily going in a bad place? Or do we see any positive kind of spins developing, et cetera, et cetera. And that gets more complicated once you consider, as we just spoke about with featherweight a little bit ago, 
oh, some things are different by divisions and not every division is necessarily going to have the same outliers. So I, I think the main thing to start with is just um, what are the main like overarching like thematics or archetypes we're seeing? And then where do we see where things are going? Um, I, I like to start saying like, um, I think MMA show, shows its age when it comes to metas because um, there's a lot of fickle tendencies going on in MMA, like calf kicks and I know it's stuff like that, like leg locks were at, at a time. Like you see boxing has been developed for so long that there's still tendencies at eras, but they are not like so fast. Like in MMA, we see a new trend pop up like every two or three years. We saw with the front kicks after Anderson knocked out Beater. And so yeah, I think the, the meta is moving like very fast. And, and I think it, it also like develops in, in regions. Like the UFC has like a meta going on, but if you go to Russian organizations for one, they're like might be into different things. So it's kind of interesting yeah. to see it like that. Yeah. So to outline the questions that have been asked to give this whole thing a bit of context, the questions were what's a meta? What is a harmful meta in MMA today? Is there even such a thing? And is boxing more important in the current MMA meta or have we just not seen as many good kickers as we have people with good hands? What's the most important attribute for MMA and what MMA metas might develop or become dominant and which ones should, in, your, in our opinion, in the next, say, five years? So uh, to, let's go from there. <laughs> And I think the Hex, yeah, Hex has his hand raised, has had his hand raised from the beginning, I think. I think one thing that makes this a difficult question to answer on the prediction side is precisely, you know, what's kind of already been hinted at, this idea of maturity. So much of MMA fixates on who's the champion that we remember the shortest in our collective monkey brains and what cool thing did he do to win the last fight? Like people won't shut the fuck up about, you know, Usman's jab right now, even though he hasn't exactly demonstrated a tremendous amount of layers and it's been, you know, it's kind of a weapon that he's bolted onto his career relatively recently. So I think a big part of the answer to that question, where's the MMA meta is going to go, I think is just going to come down to what, cheap easy sorry easily digestible theme appears between two or three dominant champions and how much do they win with it in the next two to five years yeah i think that's a really important point like if you look at i think i, I raised this point when adesanya lost to jan blahovic in a division like middleweight or light heavyweight they don't really get a chance to to fight kind of a breadth of different styles before they eventually get thrust into a title fight. So if you're a bad matchup for the champ and then you can beat like, I don't know, Jack Hermanson type guys, two of them, then you can not only win the title, but you have a good chance at defending it for a while. So there's, I think we're going to, we're probably not going to see any real development in divisions like that in terms of the meta. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see it bounce around a lot, um, like going forwards and backwards in divisions like Bantamweight and Featherweight, on the other hand, eventually 
before you even get put into like a contenders match, you're going to fight somebody like Askar Askarov, who's pretty decently put together. He can strike, he can grapple, he can fight in transitions. So you're going to be tested on your overall MMA game a lot more. Uh, and that's, I think, gives those develop those divisions a chance to develop a more consistent meta. But even, even with the strong divisions, I think we still see some like leaps backwards. Um, particularly, one thing that stands out is in defensive wrestling on the cage. We saw Nova Uniao kind of bring in a big wave of guys who could defend takedowns really well on the cage with grip fighting. And they were kind of pioneering that in MMA. Guys like Aldo, Hanembarao, even their lesser athletes like UCA Formiga, uh, they were a nightmare for guys who relied on pushing opponents to the cage, locking their hands because they could fight grip super well and fight off the fence. You see that from Robert Whitaker too. But nowadays there doesn't seem to be as many guys who are skilled at that. And yeah, I just mentioned that he didn't realize Formiga was Novo Uniao, but yeah. Um, now we're seeing a wave of cage wrestlers who don't rely on shots in the open, but rely on pushing their opponents to the cage and getting their hands locked together. And there seems to be a dearth of defensive cage wrestlers. Now that Novo Uniao has kind of fallen off, they're not producing new talent. Whitaker is at middleweight, which just doesn't have any good wrestlers. Uh, so there's kind of nobody left from that wave of great defensive cage wrestlers. And we see guys, even elite lightweights like Dustin Poirier, um, Eddie Alvarez to some extent, even Gagey, they they don't have that same skill set. So it's kind of being lost. So I definitely think there's going to be, like Hacks said, um, kind of a focus on certain techniques that, that are really high profile because of champions. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see some leaps back like that too. Uh, yeah, I think it's also kind of interesting how like the sort of weird development curve of, curve of MMA um, turns into like, because it's one thing that we've talked about a lot in terms of like, these greatest of all time sort of discussions is that uh, MMA has made like a great deal of leaps in a fairly short amount of time. For instance, Frankie Edgar is still active and he was pretty much the one who created transitional work in MMA. Uh, and it's weird because if a boxer created like an entire range in boxing, I don't think people would be nearly as low or nearly as like enthusiastic to call like older fighters the greatest of all time because they just didn't have to deal with that uh and also one thing that hacks brought up in the chat was that you can also kind of look at the meta in more isolated pools uh so for instance aca and acb have a complete not a completely different meta but a fairly different meta if you look at specific divisions like uh, lightweight where for instance they're all a lot more cage wrestling and a lot more a lot better at defensive wrestling a lot more focused on transitions but some of them are a bit weaker in terms of ring craft uh, someone like Edward Vartanian is kind of a different fighter than you'd expect from anyone in uh, Western MMA, I guess I'd put it. I don't know. I, I don't know what Russia counts as. So uh, Tuman's going to have to help me out, out on that one. But uh, it's a different pool. And I think you could gain some interesting appreciation for how that works uh, in terms of like what's a good meta and what's a bad meta. I think the it's tough to say what a bad meta is, but I think you can really see some examples of how a good kicker would fare in MMA uh, in terms of like a lot of the really good kickers that you see in MMA tend to be doing fairly well. Um, Volkanovski's one, uh, Hanato Moicano was doing pretty well for a second. Uh, I mean, Edson Barboza's a lot, he's a decent kicker, a lot more of a power kicker than like a particularly granular kicker in a lot of ways, but um, 
he's doing super well now at two to two weight classes. So I think it's a lot more that it's a dearth of really strong kickers than it is like boxing is better and is going to win the battle. Generally, as I think as the sport develops, it's going to be more like each meta gains a, a little bit of time in the sun more than one meta proves to be like the best ever at all times. Um, so one thing I constantly get asked in my DMs on Twitter consistently is why is there no such thing as say like a MMA fighter who can be say a hundred out of a hundred. And I, I know I've talked with a two minute hacks about this before, but, um, realistically the problem is with MMA is that there's kind of a combination right now. And I I'm repeating a couple of points that were made, but it's important to establish is that we don't have a full idea of like development. It's kind of incomplete development, but there's also the factor that it's a very nation sport as well. That's still kind of discovering an identity for itself. And the other issues are, when you factor in the whole coaching situations and how one generation hacks pointed this out in the chat, that's a great point, actually. Uh, basically, certain fighters not passing information on to the next or some fighters not really even being sure how to approach this whole idea in the first place. And the fact that you can't really I think people forget this, especially those who don't experience competition that much, because that's something hacks and um Hacks emphasizes a lot, but it, it bears repeating like a, when you're in competition or like any kind of like demanding kind of field, you sort of have um, it, there are demands that you kind of have to know a lot of things. And with MMA specifically, it's a very, very cross discipline kind of field. So honestly, having to do everything about everything is really, really difficult. So that's why allocating certain strengths to different kind of fights is such a demanding thing. And it's why you see so much fluidity and so much changes that are happening. And I think that's why it's ultimately like Ryan was pointing out going backwards and then going forwards again, and then changing, because when you really think about it, some divisions haven't really established a dominant champion in a while, or they just maybe have a champion who's still at the top, but he has a lot of dangerous matchups and there's so many different intangibles going on not just with individual developments but in general too and it's not something i i think it's a very kind of obvious kind of statement that of course you can't master everything but it's something that really really needs to be hammered in as to why there's so much going on to this sport i think Fanny yeah next. i think yeah i think they're I mean, Dan, Dan talked on it, uh, but there's a lot of truth to the, to the myth that there's only so much time. Like MMA covers like a huge amount of different skill sets. Like there's the, the ceiling on every single discipline is so high that you get, a, you get a choose what you're going to train. You can do everything all the time. So, um, but I think that one develop that's going to push forward from now on i think it's going to be like games that make sense like i talk about this about uh, mass burnell like make the the pieces fit together i mean we used to see a lot of fighters with this disjointed games like phil davis the classic sample like out out fighter kicker that really wants to clinch but has no way to clinch with the opponent i think 
the fighters will not necessarily like get good at everything, everything, but the games will start making more sense. The the connection between faces will be more solid moving forward. But there's there's a lot of ground to cover still in that sense. I mean, fighters are chasing trends so fast nowadays that I think in some divisions we've seen like guys with terrible grappling rising to the top and we never saw that like eight years ago. I think when when GSP was champion, I mean, the idea of the complete fighter was very in vogue. Like everyone was trying to be good at everything because GSP was considered the best. But now we have a lot of specialists at the top of divisions, like Adelsanya, for example. And we've seen the rise of more and more fighters that are very good at something but had glaring holes in other areas. So yeah, um, it's uh, Ben next. So um, just a lot of pretty much everything or most things have been covered, but so I kind of want to touch on just really quickly, like the, the, the sport is still kind of young. And for the most part, there's a lot of things that are kind of still shitty about it uh, as it comes to training and, and I guess becoming a top fighter. A lot of times, like you said, you know, there are guys who are just have either, you know, trash grappling or um, the wrestling is really lacking or the striking is garbage and, it's kind of weird to be able to say that about top fighters in a sport who are clearly top fighters. Like nobody would argue that uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov had a uh, especially deep striking game, but it was functional enough for him to be able to implement his insane grappling. Right. So that's number one. Number two, it's still people. We're we're also kind of forgetting that MMA as it is now is probably not how it's going to be in the next 20 years. Um, the monopoly case going forward against the UFC and stuff like that. The landscape is eventually going to change, hopefully in a way that benefits the fighters in terms of making money and, and, you know, improving their position. And once that happens, we're probably going to see better athletes and better funding and better, like a much better training situation developed from that. And I think that's something that we have, we can't really account for, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that that's kind of going to happen because the way MMA training has developed as of now is in a sport there, there's almost no money for pretty much everybody. So it's just a hodgepodge of whatever the fuck people think works. So, uh, and what, what does work and what people think works, guys coming over from, from almost no background and then within four years, because they're a decent enough athlete, they're able to take out guys who've been training for 15 years who are just shit, at, like it, it's gonna change. And I think that the meta as it stands now is something that we, I don't really know how much we could predict from now till then just because... I think that the landscape is really going to change hopefully for the better, but just in a massive way that isn't necessarily um, as connected to just a simple like growth to things. Also just something like calf kicks, like for, for six months, they're all the rage. And then we just see uh, like what three, four shins break within the span of two weeks. So it just goes to show that the, the, the what works in MMA is, there's like a couple of basic things that consistently work across the spectrum of the divisions and weight classes. And then you have this like, Oh, it's the age of the karate kickboxer. It's the age of this. It's the age of that. Like realistically, like this sport is kind of insane considering how it operates. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the idea of more like a real sport actually developing from what we have now so that we can actually talk about what metas really work in a broader sense that might actually lead to something consistent in the sport. So I'm more excited for the future of MMA than I am for the current in a way. 
on that note, we've been talking a lot about um, like the broad meta in MMA and why it's difficult for fighters to build a really comprehensive game with all these different threats they have to worry about. Uh, what's interesting to me is how guys go from like very good to elite, because if you look at elite fighters in good divisions, there's very clearly a different meta than there is for wider MMA. Like we brought up calf kicks and how a lot of guys are just kind of spamming them and having a lot of success without really needing to integrate them into a complete game. We don't see that at the elite level. When you're talking about elite fighters, these guys, like maybe you'll surprise them with like three calf kicks and they'll be like, oh shit, I got to change something. And then they will change something because they know how to do that. Um, so basically I think there's, <laughs> you know, Ryan tearing Connor apart. Yeah. Connor is no longer an elite fighter. Sorry. Um, but I think in terms of how the MMA meta progresses, there might actually be a hindrance to that uh, due to matchmaking. So if you, if you want to become an elite fighter, I think you either need to find a gym that is capable of teaching you the tactics and strategies uh, that we already see at a high elite level in MMA. Uh, and there's not too many gyms that can do this. Uh, like for striking, you have a city kickboxing, Hoof's gym, maybe a couple others, but you don't see coaches regularly instilling that kind of tactical and technical depth into fighters, or you need to learn uh, basically how to function at an elite level by fighting people like that. You need to get experience in against strong mid-level competition, and then prospects will have those step-up fights against someone elite. Often they'll struggle a lot, maybe even lose, and it'll force them to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate their game. Um, which leads me to my main point here that matchmaking has a big effect on the overall MMA meta and especially divisional metas and matchmaking is all kinds of fucked right now. If you're a prospect coming up in the UFC, you, you maybe have like a couple fight, two fights or so to establish yourself and show people they need to care about you. And then after that, you have maybe a maximum of six fights to work out how your game actually works as you start fighting good competition before you're already through the thick of your prime and coming out the other end of it. Uh, and guys aren't being given those logical step-up fights. The obvious example for this is mid upper mid-level lightweight. You have a ton of prospects just sitting in purgatory, doing nothing but getting lateral moves or backwards moves. And not only is it bad because you have a lot of great fighters sitting in until they're shot, basically, but it really limits the potential of what we can see in MMA if, the, if all these guys are being given logical step-up fights, not only will, they, will we get to see them in more interesting fights, but we'll, we'll get to see their game develop as they learn how to deal with those elite opponents. Um, and yeah, so I think there's a good chance that the UFC's fucky matchmaking could really hurt, uh, maybe not in a visible way, because we wouldn't really realize that what we're missing unless we actually saw it. But if they keep handling prospects like this, and not giving guys logical progression fights, then I think it could really hurt uh, what we could see from elite level guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose to summarize, both Ben and Ryan have hit uh, on an, an extremely important point that uh, we've, we as a side have been hammering, trying to hammer home for as long as we basically exist, which is uh, the idea that the institution of MMA as it is, and the UFC in particular, are set up in such a way that 
doesn't necessarily facilitate growth in the best way possible. So like to zoom out a little, the moment to moment uh, MMA meta may change on a constant basis, but we won't see any consistent forward, forward motion in that respect unless the overall, I suppose, institutional or I guess corporate meta doesn't change. And uh, as, as um, MMA stands right now, it seems to be set up as a system that almost deliberately hamstrings fighters' development to make short-term profit from, I guess, gnarly brawls, gnarly brawls and sloppy knockouts, only to then that only to then drag out your time at the top of the rankings just because you're recognizable until your skills and attributes completely and irrevocably decline. And uh, so basically, Ben touched upon the, the payment issue. Uh, and uh, uh, alongside the payment issue, there's also a scheduling issue. So in order to make good money, in order to make decent money, you have to constantly fight. And constantly fighting is not really the best way to develop your uh, skills. Uh, in a coherent, uh, helpful way that doesn't also basically brick your body in the process. And so, once again, matchmaking plays a big role in this problem. Lots of lateral motion, no, like, no matchmaking that makes sense, no matchmaking that helps the fighter get those rounds in without taking as much damage to sort of get the bead on what, he, what works and what doesn't. And uh, another problem is once again coaches. I don't think there's really like the amount of camps that actually game plan for their opponents in a coherent, strategic way can be counted uh, on one hand. And even then, that hand basically belongs to an 18, 18th century factory worker. <laughs> there's like three three camps out there who actually do that. Uh, my, the first podcast I've uh, featured on uh, I've uh, get, uh, that um, had my guest appearance. To, uh, the first podcast where I appeared was the MMA podcast back when Danny Martin was still the host, uh, the, uh, the host with uh, Spiram, and the the theme was the worst game plans in MMA in history. And partway through the podcast, we've realized that there's not there's no really bad game plans or game plans that have been implemented in a in a subpar fashion that it's just there was no game plan in those cases and so all these issues coalesce into this overall lump <laughs> that is mma that is just a a, a mishmash of uh, concepts from all from all across the world that it's people sl- throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and so naturally there's no it, MMA is noisy as it is, but there's also a, a, an explicit lack of structure to it all as a sport. And that is why we see the problems that we see today. And that is why we see these matters develop in a way that's, that's kind of like two stop, steps forward, three steps back. And it's going to remain that way unless these institutional issues are addressed at the... At the uh, at, um, at the higher level, I suppose, than the moment-to-moment stuff that happens in the fights themselves. So true. So true, Bestie. That was a really great uh, discourse about metas divisionally in MMA overall, and I think we also touched on some deeper issues uh, and things we'd like to see change within MMA. And just want to thank all the people that asked meta-related questions. It's definitely a topic that 
the more educated fans are interested in. And uh, <clears throat> quick shout out to the people who asked those questions. Uh, Grandma Flarkin, who uh, is the only patron who we like enough to do Michael Chiesa content for. Um, Smesh Jitsu only. Good, good buddy. Uh, we don't bully him at all. You're very nice to him. Uh, I see uh, Operator also asked about, about metas in, in the uh, development. Metas in the future. There might have been other ones. Sorry if we missed you. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh, move on to another question. Uh, the rest of them aren't quite as tough, I think. <laughs> that was the, that was a big one. That was the majority of the uh, substantive content that we'd have to cover. Um, but here's one that could lead to a full conversation. Hopefully not, because you know, it's it's been a while already. Um, but uh, Prinny, uh, who recently became a a patron of the flight site on our Discord. Another person who we're very nice to and don't bully. Uh, he wants to know what's the most important attribute for MMA. I feel like that's an impossible question to answer. It it depends, right? It's a, I mean, you could argue that with the current state of MMA as it is, it, the most important attribute is just be durable as fuck. Yeah, it's durability. And, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> durability both- can really make or break a fighter in a way that no other attribute really can. Uh, if you don't have power you can compensate with volume. If you don't have speed, you can compensate either by excellent fundamentals um, or just play a game that's not based on speed. Like you can be a lockdown control wrestler. Like Michael Chiesa is slow as fuck, but he's still pretty good. Uh, But with durability, if you don't have at least a solid baseline of durability, it can really fuck over your career in a way that, again, no other attribute really can. And you can make it as a fighter with only durability I think easier than you can make it with only one of any other single attribute, maybe not at like heavyweight or something, both because it's hard to be extremely durable and also because you can just be powerful. The fighters are not that good, but even in good divisions, we see guys who, who their skills aren't up to par, even other physical attributes might not be up to par, but they can make it by just being a tank and walking through punches. I mean, Max Holloway, one of the best fighters pound for pound relies on durability a lot. Yeah, without his durability, Max wouldn't be UFC level. He'd be losing to guys way worse than Volkanovski all the time. Am I right? Yes, yeah. you are. Probably. And with, with, <laughs> with durability, he beat Volkanovski. So yeah, Mike Mike Perry is, is is a perfect example of that. Like his career wouldn't exist as like as long as it has without being stupidly durable. Um, virtually every top fighter is is incredibly durable. Co- like Condit, great call, then. Um, Volkanovsky, uh, um, Aldo, Jan, Ngannou. It, it goes on and on. Francis and Ngannou is Ngannou ridiculously is durable. Yeah, he's ridiculously durable. Like it's it's essentially a defining feature in virtually every top fighter. You have exceptions to the rule, guys who can hang around the top without being uh, as durable, like guys like Overeem, but they're few and far between, and generally they have to have a much broader and deeper skill set than their. Um, then they're I wouldn't I wouldn't call them employees, but fellow independent contractors, uh, in order to be able to survive at that level. So yeah, durability kind of seems like the easy one because it also allows you to have the time if you're able to to develop skills that allow that would lead you to not have to rely on that durability as you go on later in your career. Um, Robbie Lawler would never have become the champion had he not had an obscene level of toughness that allowed him to grow into who he became at the top, along mm-hmm. with a significant amount of roids. But 
you know, that's fine because fighters should be able to roid. You say conjecture. Yeah, fighters should be able to roid. And I think it's the stupidest thing that they can't. And I'm hoping that's something that does develop, you know, 15, 20 years down the line that fighters can lobby for it. That'd be great. We'd be able to see fighters last longer in their careers potentially and, uh, and, and train better, recover quicker. It'd be great. It'd be great. Um, yeah, sure. Um, but brought up a good point in the chat about recoverability. So even if you don't have a stupid iron chin and you're unhurtable, uh, as long as you're able to bounce back pretty quickly after being rocked or stunned, uh, you can still be championship level. We've seen plenty of champions uh, be that way. I disagree. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh, I, I don't know the order, but I'm just going to go hacks because he's at the top of my screen. I think this is one of those situations where durability is less of a specific term and more of a catch-all term. I don't think you need to be, you know, SSS tier physically durable. I don't think you need to be SSS tier mentally durable, but I think having some way in which you are exceptionally durable at the top level is important. There are fighters who have shown that they might not be able to take a punch, you know, with the crazy durability, but they have insane heart, they have great recovery and they have the mental strength to be able to stick to a new plan or find a new plan. Even when they're getting beaten up, like Eddie Alvarez late into his career clearly wasn't taking the hits he used to, but he had tremendous heart, tremendous recovery. And even why somebody like Geishi was proceeding to introduce him to a bad time for everybody all around, he was still able to stay focused on how the fuck do I win this fight? So, yeah, I think durability is probably the most important element, but that phrase durability is a lot more of a catch-all than most people think. And if I had to pick a second quality at the elite level that matters, it would be um, comfort or strength in transitions. I mean, we've done an entire, two entire podcasts about this topic, about the topic of toughness and durability and what all those terms mean. So <laughs> I suppose we should Check refer out. the listener to those. They're good. Where we cover the, those these uh, questions in depth. Um, yeah, I think durability is also an interesting question because of how the it's it goes back to the nascent development of the sport that it's a really really all offense sport. Um, Holloway is a good example because you know the way that he fights pretty much necessitates that he tanks all the um, all the offense that his opponents throws. Like he doesn't have no defense, obviously. But if he did not have defense, a fight like Calvin Cater would have gone really, really badly. A fight like Volkanovski would have gone worse than it did. Uh, Aldo would have gone really badly. Uh, Dustin but, would have finished him. Yeah, Dustin would have. It wouldn't like we consider the Dustin fight to be way closer than a lot of people do, and it would not have been remotely close if Max Holloway did not have an absolutely godly chin. Uh, which is why you tend to see the guys who tend to survive a little bit more without great durability or great cardio. I think cardio would probably be the other one uh, that's uh, pretty much essential at the elite level to be really good. Um, I mean, I guess Conor McGregor is an, a counterexample, but also he's not elite anymore. And there's uh, there's certain there are certain universes where he doesn't become elite because of his cardio. So the way that fighters who can become top fighters without those traits tend to go against the meta in a really severe way. Um, you know, the older fighters uh, who have to work around it a bit, the ones who can limit volume are the ones who do better without those, but that's not a meta that really exists in terms of um, like, it's not systematized in any sort of camp. Well, so, you know, in general, the way people fight is hit them more than they hit you and not limit the way that other guys uh, can hit you. 
So, you know, like someone like Leon Edwards, when he declines, I expect him to do very well in the same way that guys like Sunsau and Formiga did. But someone like Max Holloway, who fights the same way that he does, it's a lot harder to see, which is why, like, training people to fight the way Max Holloway does, it's effective. And he's an incredible fighter, obviously, but it's going to be tricky uh, to uh, make durability and cardio matter less. You, you consult, well, Max kind of does the fundamental things right. And if you teach fundamentals, I mean, that, the, that's why they're fundamentals. If you teach someone fundamentals, they're going to be, you know, decent at fighting. And that sort of ties back to Hax's point about uh, strength in transitions and comfort in transitions being uh, the second most important uh, attribute to have in fighting. So comfort, I mean, comfort in general extends to a lot of facets of fighting. Comfort under fire, comfort while losing a fight, comfort while... Uh, doing a really, really boring thing, <laughs> just not getting bored of the things you do. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess moving on. Um, Dan, I think should go now. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to touch upon one small thing about um, uh, catering offense to MMA. So there, there's kind of... Um, going back to the main rule of uh, applying any kind of victory in this um, sort of sport. And it's that understanding how to cater offense doesn't strictly mean offense for offense's sake. It also means just kind of determining, oh, hey, sorry. Um, it means that there's sort of, it means applying like different ways in order to put your certain game together in order to cater your best chances of victory. So I, I think um, Tuman and I were actually talking about Volkanovsky a lot because Volkanovsky is always a very, very interesting topic. So Volkanovsky goes up against Max Holloway. A, he can't engage Max in certain set ranges and areas. So he has to figure out ways to deny Max his specific ranges. Not everyone is Volkanovsky in order to make this work, but he has to figure out how to cater offense in his own regard in order to make that work. So Volkanovsky um, is kind of a more difficult fighter to explain than you think, but the explanation Ed and I came up with and Ryan too, is um, he's kind of a fighter whose whole is greater than the sum of his parts. What does that mean? It means certain elements of his game individually do not work, but when you put them all together, rather when he puts them all together, he is a very, very effective fighter at controlling every single thing. So, so against Max, the whole idea is, oh, okay, I'm going to build momentum and take yours away by constantly doing all these things together. And that's how I put my offense together in order to prevent your offense from going together. As long as I take you out of your specific comfort zone, that's what matters. So it's not just like, hey, I'm hitting you more and stuff. It's more like, hey, I'm finding ways to hit you more and whatnot. We should move on. We have like 10 more questions. <laughs> no, okay. Faye, no, you can, you can start with the next one. Um, yeah, we're done with all the meta questions, all the really big ones. Uh, we have a lot of meme questions coming up, so that should be pretty easy to move through. A lot of jokey questions. Um, some of them might not need to be addressed by multiple people. Uh, <laughs> so this one's from AF, Soldier of God. That's just an interesting name. Uh, he said, why does Gilbert Burns have such a thick neck and such a bad chin? 
Um, I don't necessarily think that Gilbert Burns has a bad chin. I feel like it's above average at worst. He just gets hit clean really hard um, a lot. The times that he's been knocked out, you have like Dan Hooker chin bullying him and like standing in the pocket with him and countering him as he was throwing. Like people, that's how people get rocked. (laughs) Um, And then like Usman is one of the hardest hitters in the division and hit him super hard and clean a bunch of times and countered him, which is a better way to get dropped. So um, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think Burns has a bad chin, but his stick think, neck probably does increase his durability. He gets yeah. hit with think, his feet out of uh, position a lot, which yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. There's a lot of things that contribute I mean, to getting hurt. Does anyone Thinking back think to the durability thing, does he? Does going, anyone actually ha- think he has a bad chin? Because I don't think anyone no, agrees. I think it's above average. Yeah, I, I think Dan, Dan, Hooker, Dan Hooker said he has a bad chin. He said in he the a lot of fight. In the post-fight interview, he said he said he shouldn't be going down with shots like that. <laughs> That's the sickest burn. <laughs> the guys let him, and then like I I didn't even push you hard. Like what the- I have. I mean, it makes hands. sense though. Why did Hooker's you success is like eighty-five percent on his chin. So I get why he would think that. Yeah, eighty-five percent chin and fifteen percent that single counter he landed on Burns. That's the sickest thing he's done in his entire career. But, I mean, he almost beat Koya like three the, times. Taking it back Doesn't to the durability really quick. Um, we don't have any science regarding to durability, so it's hard to assess. Like, for example, I, I think personally that durability has a lot to do with awareness, but we don't know for sure. Like, we don't know shit about, about how Shin works. In a lot of, sports. yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, this is speculation. But for example, Cody Garbrandt um, got, got knocked out three times in a row. But in all of those times, he got like blindsided. He didn't see the shots coming. Then we we saw Font hitting him with super hard with everything. Uh, He was all right. I mean, he was rattled by every jab because he's stupid. But but he was all right. He didn't go unconscious. So I think awareness goes a long way when it comes to durability. The question is whether Cody Garbrandt was ever conscious, like even when he's awake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an excellent example would be, once again, Dustin Poirier. Early on in his career, everyone considered him chinny because he got knocked out several times. And uh, a part of it is attributed to the fact that he's uh, moved up a weight. But also, if you look at the way his style developed, he's actually developed comfort under fire and the ability to yeah. cover up in a way that doesn't just take his eyes away from his opponent whenever he covers up. And so he's able to see the shots coming. And that's why compare the first McGregor fight to the second McGregor fight. First McGregor fight, McGregor tees off on him. Dustin Poirier covers up, gets dinged across the dome somewhere behind the air equilibrium spot, not seeing the shot coming, goes down. McGregor, the second fight. Poirier McGregor, the second fight. Uh, McGregor keeps his eyes peeled on on the McGregor's uh, left straight coming at him, slips a few, tanks a couple, absolutely fine, recovers, goes on to beat his ass. Yeah, I think people does give too much credit to the move up in weight class. Like, Josipori was knocked out just the same by Michael Johnson at lightweight, but if you see the sequence, he yeah, was, it was. Like, not he wasn't looking at Michael Johnson and he, he had his feet parallel like a fucking idiot, like everyone would have been knocked the fuck out by that, by that shot. Did I say but McGregor then... keeps his eyes peeled on McGregor? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, Accurate. Uh, well, Factual. I mean, that's what, he, that's what he does every day in the morning. Goes like goes like this, you are the bull. Keep your I eyes mean, on the prize. The prize yeah. and if you go back, if you go back to Connor, like Connor always looked like he had like an insane chin, 
but he went panicking against Porter and went out immediately because he wasn't defending well. He was like, he didn't know what to do when Swarm against Yeah, him. a lot and of it is Got called with a shot he didn't saw coming and went to sleep immediately. So, yeah. Good job. Good question. Um, so, yeah, chins are weird. But yeah, a lot of these jokey questions, we're just going to pretend that you asked a more meaningful question and <laughs> discuss a better topic. Um, he had a second part of that question that I really don't want to spend time on because we're, we're, we're really you slow. I mean, uh, he said, what joke- is Vicente Luque's ceiling and has he reached it? Uh, I yes, believe we answered yes, this. Yes, he's yes, more than reached the end of question. Oh, I believe we yeah. answered this pre pre podcast when we were we were preparing, and the answer is yes. He 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 is at his healing. The end. Uh, no, he's kind of short. He's kind of washed, even. I like I him, say. but it's a tough division for him. Yeah, his, Luke uh, is cool, but fighting Woodley is just a cheat code to the top, where you, yeah. you, even if you don't really deserve to be there. He won the lottery. Like Jake Paul's going to be a top five welterweight contender in like a couple months. <laughs> the only way the UFC <laughs> could show us more that they like him is feed him Magni. Oh, that, I mean, that might actually happen. The thing about uh, this whole thing is that even when we joke about McGregor like being a narcissistic asshole, a lot of it is actually what contributed to his success early on, at least. Because uh, uh, Dan pointed out in the chat that a lot of McGregor's durability and the ability to take the shots was composure because he was sure that he would be able to get, to get out of that tough spot. And a lot of his game was uh, around was structured around mitigating the other the other guy's volume by using his counter threat. And against Dustin Poirier, there was no counter threat because he was on the fence and he was folding. His legs were gone. And uh, Poirier was outboxing him handily. And when he when Poirier just unloaded on him, he wasn't just unloading on him the way a brawler would unload. He was using actual fluent boxing uh, to basically overload McGregor's ability to see the shots coming and just fainted him out of his shorts and beat him up. That's why he got knocked out. McGregor did. Cool, man. I just want to say is really quickly, the um, with regard to Luke ceiling, looking at the rankings, he could probably beat Burns, who's ranked ahead of him, and then get a title shot, honestly. Like yeah, but they will never fight because they are teammates, and they train like, they right, are like right, brothers. Yeah, you idiot. Right, right. right. <laughs> Next question is from Grandma Flarkin. And he says, what do you fear above all else? My answer is uh, Magomed is my love. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, perfectly reasonable. The terror of the middleweight division would definitely beat Izzy, no doubt in my mind. I fear this murder hornets. Hard. Make them go away forever. My <laughs> answer is really death, but that's the same answer as Magomed is my love. <laughs> I fear uh, being alive, which is the opposite of Magomed is my love. That's why we're perfect foils for each other. Um, next question. Uh, AF soldier of God again. This guy's spamming questions, he's abusing his powers. Um, he said, Big important question why did Ed refuse to acknowledge Charles Oliveira as Michael Chandler's superior, or were there actual changes in Oliveira's game that made the heart air quotes criticisms less relevant? And also, whose nipples are these? They're Ben Rothwell's nipples. Okay, so I answered the last part automatically. Um, uh, it's just a picture of Ben Rothwell's nipples. Uh, so for the first part, I, I totally did. Uh, so we did a podcast on the MMA podcast after Chandler Oliveira and Tuman was there and we talked about the fight and you're, you're a liar. Uh, but in regard <laughs> to uh, Oliveira's improvements and stuff like that, two things you should look at. One is Feno's video on Charles Oliveira's improvements as a striker. 
that's on our YouTube channel. Very good. Um, and two, we also did a podcast after the Tony Ferguson fight where Ryan came on and talked all about Oliveira's improvements as a grappler, which is also important. So between the two, you basically have there's everything. Also, and Ben also- did a video, I think it was a video on Oliveira's wrestling. So full. There's also Post, there's also a post-fight breakdown I've done on Tangry Dome, but I mean, eh, I don't, I don't <laughs> recognize. I, I do Dome. find it funny that I did a wrestling <laughs> breakdown and Ryan did the grappling breakdown. Yeah, well, maybe Ryan could do both better than you, but it's Probably. just a matter of preference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, go go check that stuff out. We don't need to rehash it on here, but we we've covered it in depth. So how dare you try to get a second set of questions in there? It wasn't just the second question; it was like four questions. You fucker. All right. The next question is from Operator. This really has nothing to do with MMA. Um, but it does have something to do with Ben Rothwell's nipples. So he's Operator said, she said, um, I'd be interested in soliciting recommendations from everyone for some subset of little known items or hacks that make your life better on a regular basis. Uh, books that change the way you think about a topic slash media you find really inspiring. Also, a pro and con list about Ben Rothwell's nipples. Uh, ben Rothwell's nipples are really small. Um, I think the coloration is pretty consistent, which is an important quality in nipples. I don't think you find that that often. Sometimes they are different colors um, or different sizes. Even Christian Warcraft, if you remember him, uh, he had two different size nipples. One was very big. The other one was about medium size. I think it's an issue. Heavyweight MMA is really where you find this um, happening most often with, with regard to my nipple analysis. Um, but I think we should not open that part up to the chat. I think I covered it pretty in depth there. Um, you need to write an article one, on this. One <laughs> yeah. thing that has to be mentioned is that there's a lot of hair around Ben Rothwell's nipples. So yeah. That may be either. I think a lot of hair around all of him. It's distributed so. equally around the nipples as it is in the center of his chest, which is pretty rare. You don't see that very often, but it's actually, it doesn't like disappear when you get to the nipple area. It's actually I mean, a lot of still there. Poor grooming. I mean, uh, <laughs> nipples are kind of like art. Do you pluck your nipple hairs for him? <laughs> I'm not going to dignify that with a <laughs> Oh, he does. Uh, he there's... definitely does. Oh, he definitely does. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> there's a lot of subjective things around the nipples, like uh, someone's pros, maybe someone else's cons. So different cons? strokes, different nipples. <laughs> Life hacks. Uh, yeah that's my life hack is this this nipple uh analysis but i don't know i don't really have any life my life hack is you know abusing recreational drugs and uh, that's basically my only superpower Um, i've kind of sort of i've sort of answered this question in depth i think it took about 40 minutes on uh, one of the on the listener mail listener mailbag episodes of which episode episode 11 episode 11 evan lee asked me about go operator uh, Evan Lee asked me about cross-disciplinary uh, learning and I sort of kind of fell down a spiral of describing my entire mindset and how I approach things. So if you're interested in that, go and check that out. Um, yeah. I also want to add, like, I didn't have a bike for a very long time and not having a bike is super stupid. Like, get a fucking bicycle. Depending where you live. We- will, improve, will improve your life. Doesn't my matter main... where you live. Just get a fucking bicycle. Don't be an idiot. My main, uh, uh, I guess, uh, coping mechanism with life is just rampant alcoholism. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. I if you're just raw dog in life, you're doing it wrong. This is a very well-adjusted I, I masturbate chat. a lot, like really a lot. 
life yep. life hacks that's good man speaking of hacks hacks <laughs> rise has his hand up find a oh yeah go hacks first <laughs> life hacks arise <laughs> i would just say like as a life hack thing don't underestimate the degree to which you know not looking after your health will fuck up everything else like if you neglect exercise because you need to put a little bit more work into study or your job or whatever you're probably going to find your job performance or your study falls through the floor so you know don't don't neglect the basics and the basics are trying to stay healthy and trying to stay focused get jacked get fucking enormous develop enormous musculature become a beast so fat get Get, get a huge really fat. <laughs> yeah, everyone get fucking fat as shit. <laughs> Eat whatever you want. Stuff yourself with whatever garbage that you like. Step one to getting super jacked is gain a ton of weight. Just get really fat. Because if you want to have good calves, especially, you need to get fat. Yeah, good you need to get fat. fat. The only ta- the only way to get to get a huge calf is people say it's fat. genetic, but getting fat is also sometimes genetic. So it all it all ties together. Sandra, this weigh- is your moment to shine, really. I weigh over 200 pounds. Yeah, I mean, Guess getting fat is, is amazing calves. <laughs> I do have to step out, though. Oh. I'll miss you. Bye forever. Bye forever. <laughs> I can't believe we made him sit through like two and a half hours of MMA talk. That was so mean of us. The real podcast is happening in the chat during the podcast. And, uh, you know, should we release the chat, scram- tra- chat transcript? Probably not. Dan Albert idea. has his hand up. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't condone half of what just happened. Uh, all right. So, what percentage of what happened do you condone? Who gives a fuck? Um. Anyways, <laughs> me, I give. A fuck. So shut About the fuck up. I'm I talking. Think. Shut the fuck up. I'm talking. My melatonin's hitting me hard. Um. Okay. <laughs> so, a, a bunch of little life skills I've learned is um, in case you deal with certain issues and whatnot, is to always like try not to let certain difficulties or like little things define you don't let crises become your crisis um do what you like to do find passions off of that and be willing to go outside of your comfort zone and see what kinds of things can offer building perspective and empathy is incredibly important and no chat i am not talking about any of that bullshit leave me alone <laughs> but a big part of what helps me a lot is uh, just working with um, people who have it worse than I am and whatnot, but also just understanding that that doesn't mitigate what I go through as any lesser or any better than anyone else and whatnot. Um, but also just be willing to just find new information, look into it, learn perspectives, um, even if you don't like them. And that's something that's helped me a lot at the very least. Actually, Dan, and, that was a very poignant answer. If you don't mind, I have a little bit of a follow-up question. What do you think of Ben Rothwell's nips? Who gives a <laughs> fuck? <laughs> uh, I don't really care. All right, we have a few more Discord patron questions. We'll take those semi-seriously, and then we have some okay. Twitter questions, which we're going to not take seriously oh at all and God. just rapid-fire them. Well, let Trey, go. Trey has his arm up. Trey has oh my God, Trey! Please, Trey. Yeah, Trey needs to speak. He hasn't spoken to me. I speak. hope Trey's going to talk about Naples. He's got um, uh, No, actually, I, oh. didn't have, I don't have much to say about the nipples. Unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't seen them. So, uh, but <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't know how to raise my hand at first, and I was like, "Dang, how the heck am I supposed to like talk?" And then at the very end of the meta question, I had something to say, but y'all had. Uh, and that was like an hour ago. Yes, I know. Uh, but I'm going to bring it back, unfortunately. I'm sorry. 
Uh, okay. Because you guys are talking a lot about, uh, and also this ties into helping your life and all that. If you want to be slick with it, you know what I mean? Like if you're a fighter, you know, you want to help your life, improve your life, the meta question will help with that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, like uh, you guys are talking a lot about like physical attributes, things like athleticism in that particular tier when it comes to like, uh, like what things are important. I'm going to go to like mindset because it's actually very important. Like when it comes to like seeing like, how you develop your skills as a fighter a lot of that is like your mentality and how you and how you're like and how you're structuring your own game yourself like little things like being willing to like step outside your comfort zone like little things like okay i'm not too much of a better boxer but i need to develop my boxing game uh to help myself facilitate the game like finna use the example like phil davis right i don't know phil davis situation i don't know his training situation uh and also i don't even know if he like really I guess I can say like conceptualizes that he kind of needs a pocket game to facilitate his wrestling. So he doesn't shoot from like 3000 feet out, but being able to like, like just simple, basic things, like wanting to develop everything will help you out. It'll give you just baseline skills and all the spaces you need to fight at. So that way you can easily like pick and choose and all that, because there's a lot of fighters, even at the elite level who kind of maybe have like janky games or kind of unstructured games, but they're damn elite because they're just good. They just are skilled. They just have places they can they can fight everywhere and be okay everywhere. Uh, like if you if you if you have spaces in your game that are like dead spots and your and you and you need to navigate those dead spots to like to get to a better uh, to your best attributes like big rock holds people like that, then you can't really you can't really fight the fight that you need to uh, need to fight to win. Even someone like Khabib, right? Who we all say like doesn't really have the best strike and isn't a functional striker i can see that he spends time with it and he spends time with it in a productive way that like says i'm only here to like get to my cage wrestling which probably pressure or to keep myself safe enough to get to where i need to go which is the best way to be a non-committed striker you could be like ben ashkin and just not do it you could be like ben ashkin and just not navigate the spot but Khabib says i'm gonna do it to get to where i need to go and that's little things like that is, is very helpful uh that's all i had to say <laughs> i don't want to take yeah. too much time it's to quote stuff. Mike Tyson, to quote Mike Tyson, a fighter's discipline is being able to do things you hate like you love them. And uh, a lot of uh, skill development is essentially that discipline. I'm, and so. No, and I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry not to interrupt you too much. But not one little thing that always like kind of stuck with me. I just a little quote. I remember hearing uh, watching The Last Dance remember last year. Uh, and like it kind of resonates because I feel the same way. Like Michael Jordan was talking to uh, Tony Cook, which was one of his teammates. And he, like, they were t- he was talking about how Tony Cooper didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to get better in the spot. And Michael was like, I can't process that. I can't process how you don't want to get better. You do this. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you do. How do you not want to get better? You, you suck at something, do it. You know what I mean? If you suck at something, go about the process of working on it. So that way you stop sucking at it. Like, even if you don't have, like, a, the greatest system of a game, which is important as hell, even if you don't, like, conceptualize, can't conceptualize how your game flows from spaces to spaces, just basically being able to, like, Work on the things you're trash at, which a lot of people don't do. It's very easy to not do. I've done it for many, 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 many years in time. Uh, everybody's done it. You know what I mean? It's extremely easy to not work on the things you you suck at because you're like, damn, I suck at it. I don't want to go through the big interface again. I'm already established who I am. I'm already, I know who I am, and like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to step one and look trash. But like stuff like that, I, like even Michael, I can I can kind of feel him when he says like, I, I can't conceptualize not want to work on the things that you're that you're bad at. And I, I, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, way too many fighters, as we've learned recently, just plain don't train 
the things they're bad at, <laughs> the things they're bad at, and uh, it's kind of it kind of ties to the overall question of uh, what to do to succeed in life in general. Kind of like a lot of people just just a lot of people think that. No, I I'm I suck at this thing. I suck at uh, let's say connecting to people. I suck at empathy. I suck at socializing. I'm better at whatever. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a an out. It's kind of an excuse to not just try. And the general uh, the general narrative, I guess, of this whole spiel is that just try stuff. <laughs> just go out of your way to at least attempt something and fail at it. It's a lot better than just not doing it. Word. Jack, you've had your hand up forever. Sorry, man. Yeah, on the uh the the old question about was it think books or media that changed yeah. how you think about things or whatever. I just wanted yeah. to uh shout out uh Dan Sweeney's oh, yeah. uh videos on Kyle Dake. His um I forget what it's called, but it's it's about Kyle Dake scrambling. It's like a four part series. And it it kind of changed the way I look at uh, some aspects of wrestling. Nice, yeah. Dan Sweeney, shout out. Uh, technically a fight site staff member, contributes every once in a while. Excellent analyst, also ridiculous work rate, um, and coaches and trains in real life. So uh, I don't know how he balances all that, but that's excellent. And uh, Man's yeah, a machine. Love Dan Sweeney. So we had uh, a few questions that we didn't get to from Discord patrons. Uh, we'll do another podcast for that or we'll just start to mix them in like between Tengredome or MMA podcast or whatever. We'll get to them for sure because they're they're fun. Um, but let's just uh, acknowledge the Twitter questions. We're definitely not going to spend nearly as much time on these as we did the Discord patrons because that's your privilege, Discord patrons. Um, let's just run through some some Twitter questions. They're, they're kind of specific, so unfortunately we're going to have to skimp on details. Um, but uh, one of them is from uh, Miguel. Miguel Class, who is one of our top patrons, I would say. He's very engaged and asks for great stuff all the time. Uh, he wants to know what some of the biggest traps people fall into when evaluating prospects in MMA. Mine would be to you know, really focus on things that are highlighted by attributes. Um, so Shuram and I did a podcast all about meme fighters, right? So if you get a flashy finish, are they asking the question, how did that happen? Uh, is it just that they're capable of doing that athletically and it worked because their opponent had bad defense and their opponent was terrible? Uh, did they show anything beyond you know, <laughs> the ability to execute things flashily and athletically? Um, I think that's something that people struggle with a lot is like, oh, that was very impressive. They won in a very dominant way. That means they're really good. Um, I think people are bad at evaluating opposition. So that's something that definitely resonates with me is when people are like, oh, that guy's so good. Um, but like, who do they beat? World they titles. Beat what do you mean he's in yeah, <laughs> That's not a prospect. But yeah, same same stuff, right? Um, so that's something for me that I notice a lot. Uh, what about other people? Um, I would say, yeah, it's, it's athleticism and specific style matchups and being able to fight where they are comfortable already. Um, allows them to cover their flaws really like i mean this isn't really a prospect win uh, but woodley versus lawler i mean is a perfect example or, or woodley uh, versus haran which i guess would actually be when he was more of a prospect but just fights where he looked really really impressive doing things that don't necessarily show us a lot about how he would fight in spots that he was less comfortable in uh for example the rory fight or whatever it is just stuff like that um also i'm going to do life hacks because you skipped me actual life hacks because everyone else gave a bunch of like like life lesson bullshit 
No. <laughs> yeah, no. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. One. What a fucking boomer. He thinks he knows better no, than us. Fuck you. Cook your cook your food in advance, especially if you have kids. Okay. Like do shit that's like usable in multiple different dishes, but allows you to actually like make different dishes by only creating like don't like that one next minus don't have to cook (laughs) you make make a bunch of chicken in the beginning of the week and you can make it in different fucking what are you even talking about why are we doing this also uh, two websites that are going to save you money no two websites that actually save you you and what's the other one (laughs) easy deals (laughs) are you gonna tell us how to start a loan mower right fuck you those two websites will make you actually feel like a Jew when you're shopping. So now you can go ahead. Ben, Ben's life hack is to be Jewish, and I agree. It's a great hack. Fuck off, Highly Benjamin Ragusia. <laughs> we we had to bully Ben so he wouldn't make the life hack make the entire podcast take incredibly We did long. it for you, listener, to, to shorten the podcast. If we, um, if we, if we let Ben... The, the run run the fucking show it's going to be just dad tips 101 the whole way through for 90 minutes teaching us how to play chess motherfucker <laughs> he's running away coward <laughs> he's ran away <laughs> ed Look loving the go. chance to call somebody else a coward for rounds rather than being called the coward yeah it's always coward hours in, in the ed gallo house um, and because of that outburst, Ben, we're moving on to the next question. Uh, this is a very important one from Grandma Flarkin. What are your favorite colors? Mine is green. Go. I like well, blue mine, because I'm a gamer. Blue. Oh, man, mine are red accidentally. I have to blue, and mine now. blue and blue pink. pink are mine. Nice. Nice. Trey, you like green, right? Let's go. <laughs> yes. Yes. I like green. I like all the nice. all that's, an, that's elite taste and colors right there. Um, Shows that we're all men that we're getting like blue, green, pink, and not like turquoise, you know, aqua, you know, you're not getting like specific. With those we're men. My favorite color is pale goldenrod. <laughs> only, only Flesh. seven colors exist to men. Real men only see seven colors. <laughs> Ryan, you said you like blue. I, I was expecting a much more sociopathic answer from you. I have, Ryan. I have a. I have Wait, a what would be question. the most sociopathic answer? I think Flesh would be Wear probably it. the worst one. <laughs> Why like, would it be Flesh? Because you're like, like a murderer. Shit, <laughs> like shit brown. Like that brown that really looks like baby shit. Like, brown is not green. Brown is working you know, what a the lot fuck of is wrong with you? As a favorite, no. <laughs> R- I, was Ryan, I was expecting Ryan to say my favorite color is not black. <laughs> <laughs> Unreleasable. <laughs> Unreleasable. It's on Patreon. My favorite, my favorite color is blue. Life's matter. It's on Patreon. Next question. Uh, this is from... We didn't do any of your questions, man. I'm so sorry. Uh, this one question is from Sunshine Sparkle, who was foolish enough to ask this question on Twitter. It's at Discord. Um, also known as... Uh, What's his name right now? Uh, Femboy, Femboy nipples, nipples are, 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 safe, are, are safe for work. Are safe for work. It's true. Um, <laughs> and I think on Discord, he is uh, Chad Mendez is 0 1 in title flights, or like 179 <laughs> Mendez is 0 1 in title flights. <laughs> so shout out to, to Paulo, uh, Sunshine, Bar- Sunshine Sparkle. But he said, You mentioned fighters that disappointed you uh, on the regular, so let's spin it positive. Who is the most pleasantly surprised you've ever been by a fighter's performance or development? I think that's the one that Hacks said Ali he really Bogov. wanted to do. 
you, you've been pleasantly surprised by Ali Bagov's development. He saw so much shit. Like, he was terrible. That's he true. was the Wildly worst bad. fucking fighter ever. And then he turned <laughs> into a beast. Say what Just he fought awful. like. He said he fought like an MMA journalist. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't say that. I don't know who's lying. Oh, yes, he did. The hacks. Did you have one for this? Was this the one you really wanted to do? Yeah. Um. I, I don't know if this will surprise people or not, but the answer is Max Holloway. Because nice. if you look at Max Holloway at the start of his UFC run, he was a fighter with tremendous potential coming from a gym nobody gave a fuck about in a region that didn't exactly show fighters who, for lack of a better word, had long-term sustainability. Yeah, we had some great fighters like The Prodigy, but The Prodigy was supposedly so smart at MMA he didn't know how to sustain his career past getting jabbed by GSP. So Condit's basically a better fighter than BJ Penn. I'm calling it now. But to go back to the (laughs) point, um, you know, Max Holloway was the sort of person where if you looked at his career, especially given he had those early fights, I think most people would have said real potential, but could have burned out really early and accomplished not all that much. Not only has he gone on to be one of the most, you know, successful fighters in the game, but it's the way he's done it. Yes, he has relied on his durability. Yes, he has relied on his cardio, just as every fighter that great should leverage their athletic attributes. But he's tried to be as smart with it as he possibly can. And late in his career, when you look at a fighter like him, you'd expect him to fail against Volkanovski, right? Oh, he's shot now. Can't beat somebody like Volkanovski. Volkanovski's smart. Max... Firstly, yes, I think he beat Volk in the second fight, but it's irrelevant, the result. He made an, inc- he made he an did, incredibly he competitive fight against a very good fighter showing ad- you know, adaptability, self-awareness, a willingness to try and improve in areas of his game he's been weak in. Looking back at what we, the max we had when we started, I don't think anyone could have said he had that much in him. And I certainly don't think... Even if you saw greatness in Max, I don't think anyone expected this late into his career, fighting the style he does, he would still be showing the ability to improve and examine himself critically, especially given, you know, he comes from a, a region and a camp where that wasn't known before. That's a good example. Right. Thank you, X. Yeah. A couple things. First of all, Volkanovsky won every round of Max 10-8. Uh, secondly, <laughs> Dan Albert wanted me to say the answer to my favorite color. The correct answer is that I don't see color. Uh, and thirdly, my answer is to the prospect one. Uh, Theorem, closet racist. <laughs> it's Dan's answer. He's the one who gets um, All Lives Matter. What's my answer? I was afraid one of you idiots were going to say it, and Jerem I was says, right. So you said it in blue line. I didn't say that. We're not smart enough to say that. Dan, you said it in the chat because you wanted someone to say it in the thing. Don't bullshit. No, I definitely did not. Well, I mean, then you, you wouldn't have said, have said it in the first place. You just I think he just wants us to stop talking You're misconstruing my tech. <laughs> you know it's Misconstruments well. aren't cool. Can we move uh, on? All right. Well, my answer to the favorite prospects one is going to look justifiably pretty bad after Max Holloway, but both uh, but Calvin Cater's an interesting one because um, he came into the UFC like 11 or 12 years into his career, uh, fought on the New England scene, which like for his entire career up to that point didn't look particularly amazing, and then beat Andre Feely up and beat Shane Burgos up. It was really cool. And it's a story that you don't really see often of a fully formed prospect just showing up in the UFC and like randomly being top five uh, fonts going through an, a, a similar one now where he just spent all of it in the UFC. So and those are interesting. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. Great. Uh, really quickly here. Uh, the Max one and the Cater ones are really good. Never thought about those. I'm going to give a few basic examples first, but I'm going to go to like a kind of funny one that's actually good. Uh, like Oliveros, clearly 
the Lawlers clearly, the uh, RDAs clearly. Yes. Uh, but one of them is actually Derek Lewis, man. Like, because even for still being, you know, like a fighter that doesn't have the most skill, then the self-reflection, the reliance, and I, like the actual fight IQ of understanding, like, the baseline tactics of what his, his opponents are trying to do or what they need to do. Again, his resume at heavyweight is insanely good because something as simple as, like, Curtis Blades is trying to wrestle. Let me do, like, a few things to just make it absolutely terrifying for him to do it and have things that'll like kill him if he tries to do it it's actually really 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 good guys just probably like will fight Curtis Blaze in a really weird way and get smoked by him uh but Derek Lewis is ready for that matchup and he clearly was prepared for the matchup <laughs> prepared in the sense you know <laughs> maybe not like drilling his wrestling 24-7 or, or 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 uh having answers to certain things but he was very prepared mentally and Derek Lewis is always to me like has an understanding of who he's fighting and like the baseline things of what he should be doing, which is impressive. Cause he, I don't think he had that in the beginning of his career because he was just kind of losing fights weirdly and just looking goofy. Uh, but no, yeah, that's about that. John Jordan, I think super kicked him, right? Yes. Sean exactly. Jordan's your answer, Ben. That's your, your yes. prospect. That surprised no, you pleasantly. No. Very um, good. I mean, realistically uh, to jump off another heavyweight, I mean, it's Ngano, right? Like, like that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of someone who yeah. kind of showed things. He but not until his last fight. I wasn't pleasantly surprised until that. Right. One. <laughs> right. Um, I wasn't pleasantly surprised about it, but I actually kind of want to bring up a random one. And it's not even a prospect, but I mean, he might be like the first major Chinese MMA prospect, uh, Li Jinglong. Uh, the leech, which I feel like is an appropriate nickname, but when he just completely just fought because he yeah. fought because <laughs> no, because he was trying to pull out Jake Matthews' eyes. Leeches <laughs> don't do all. that; they're nice. Yeah, I mean, if you stick them on your eye, they will. They know their boundaries. Uh, um, the uh, the funny part about the the question and Lee is that he looked the best he's looked at his entire career against uh um. Eliza Zaleski de Santos, and then looked, did what everyone does against Neil Magny, basically, which is get sucked into the clinch. How and does he keep getting away with it? <laughs> <laughs> Neil Magny clinch hip. No. Do you think it's still the get... best meme we've come up Ooh. with? Can we get Sean Madden to actually you want explain to clinch how he does me. it? Or, or not? Um, There's nothing to explain. Secrets, it's magic. Yeah, it's definitely magic. And, it's witchcraft. He came out and murdered Santiago Ponzinibbio. So, like, I just, I, I just thought it was really interesting to see him fight in a completely different way than we've ever seen him fight before against uh, uh, Zelensky Santos, mm-hmm. and then fight exactly the dumbest possible <laughs> immediately after against Neil Magny, where everyone's like, "Oh man, this is the best we've ever seen him. He'll probably look even better this time." And no, he's a true he's MMA a, fighter. He's a true MMA fighter. So I just right. like that, um, and I'm hopeful that he could kind of like get back to it. Thanks, Ben. Like him. Next question. We're taking too long. <laughs> This one's from Aikido Bender. I actually don't know who you are, but thank you for your question. It's a good question. Um, he said, which mental makeup of striking, rote or organic, is most effective when a fighter is well past their prime? For me, when a fighter is past their prime, the trend that seems to work is become a counter-striker. Now, becoming a counter-striker isn't 100% organic because you have to you know, do things to set up your counters. You can't just hang out. Um, but you know, there is definitely a piece of it that is inherently organic as in responding to somebody of course you can you know there's certain triggers that are going to get them to do what you want to counter it but um i feel like it, it becomes more organic but that comes with experience right you're, you're more able to figure out what people are going to do and respond to it um sure um this is your this is your your ballpark these are your guys 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing I wanted to say, aside from, you know, just how old fighters are, is I feel like rote and organic is kind of a weird way to distinguish it, just because, like, the way people tend to use rote is, like, a fighter, like, I don't know, Corey Anderson, who's, like, not, who doesn't Anybody really from Mark offense. Henry's gym? Yes, that, that's the perfect <laughs> one. Like, aside from Eddie Alvarez, maybe, pretty much everyone from that gym is, like, they work in combinations that it looks like they've been working them on a heavy bag and not really having an eye for it. And organic is like, Oh, they're all flowy. Like, you know, Corey Sanhagen or TJ Dillashaw. Uh, I think it's a weird way to distinguish it just because rote for me is pretty much always just like, it's a negative uh, descriptor. You never want to be that the rote guy. Uh, and in, in contrast, even if you're like a really formal fundamental type fighter, it, you're probably more organic than you look if you're any good whatsoever. So I'd say if you're aging, you have to be good. And in that sense, you have to be organic, but in terms of general sort of styles uh yeah in general it's uh, back foot counter punching tends to work out pretty well smart clinch entries uh being able to play with the distance uh, in terms of enforcing it rather than trying to put volume on guys uh, the, the the best example well, i don't know if it'll always be Rafael Sansao, but right now it's probably Rafael Sansao, uh who pretty much played that sort of game his entire career and now that he's old and doesn't really have reflexes anymore up until the Cody Garbrandt fight he was still playing a similar sort of game where he's able to get guys lunging through the distance and hitting them really really hard for it one time around uh, so that's the sort of game that it generally takes to be well when to do well when you're old and it takes i think it takes a, a sort of strategic focus that a lot of fighters don't really have uh, thinking beyond just the immediate exchange and you know uh setting things up even if it takes a really long time for it to pay off because the more exchanges there are in my opinion the worse you're going to do as an old fighter the more it relies on your durability and the more it relies on your cardio the worse you're going to do and the best fighters who uh, tend to be old uh, the best fighters who are old tend to be old the best old fighters tend to minimize that and take it out of the equation entirely if they can. I think it depends on the ways in which people are post-prime. Uh, like you mentioned, the back foot counterpunchers, and they usually, they're not very good in exchanges, and they usually kind of rely on skills that allow them to avoid exchanges. Uh, but if you kind of rely on reactions more in your prime, you're uh, if you're like somebody who likes pocket exchanges, like Lawler is somebody who was very reactive, and that worked a lot from in his prime. And then when he got older, the reactions kind of failed him. They were slower, weren't as consistent. Uh, and then he, he was getting hit cleaner, whereas in his prime, he would have rolled with shots and kept his guard up better. Uh, on the flip side, if you, if you don't have cardio issues, then I think being rote can help old fighters a lot by not relying on those reactions that are slower. Um, their reflexes are shot. They're, if you're not seeing punches coming it's bad to have to rely on seeing punches coming. If you look at someone like Frankie Edgar, he was never organic at all. Uh, he always kind of attacked in preset combinations um, and did a lot of his, his defense wasn't really reactive. He would just kind of automatically dip when he's throwing a shot or automatically angle off exchanges. And that has served him really well in his old age because he doesn't have to see what you're doing. He can just run his whole system, do like, I'm boxing now, now I'm ducking, now I'm running away. And it works because he doesn't have to react. True. Hacks? As a general rule, I would say, like, regardless of what approach you take, rote, organic, whatever, there's, and, and regardless of whether or not you're a counterpunch or pressure fighter, I think the general mechanics hold true. As you get older, you get slower. You get, you know, you accumulate more damage, be that in the, in the 
fights themselves in the gym or so on. So I would say there's a few commonalities that are always relevant. The clinch becomes increasingly relevant because ultimately if you're using the clinch or you're using, you know, establishing your weight on top of somebody else, gravity is doing more of the work. Gravity's free. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to spend cardio to let gravity do the work for you. I would say, uh, as Ryan's kind of said, you know, having a system that flows into each other. So you don't have that hesitation of what do I do next? What do I do next? And I would, I would say the third component, whatever athletic advantages you still have left or whatever things about you that are still above average athletically, be it sheer strength, sheer power, whatever, finding a way to leverage that quality to get better control of the pace of engages. Because, you know, as we kind of saw throughout Aldo's entire career, if you can control the pace of a fight, if you can control the pace, not of the exchanges themselves so much as how often do exchanges happen, you get the time and the space to think things through, to plan ahead. But also you're, you know, you're just inherently relying on things like durability or cardio less, all other factors being equal because there's less stuff happening. I mean, it's kind of circling back to the very first questions we used to get all the time as as, uh, as, as an entire website. All the questions that Sriam uh, and Danny used to t- used to get were defense in the pocket and limiting exchanges. <laughs> and we're pretty much back to square one with this one. <laughs> yeah, I think Aldo is also an interesting inversion just because it's as Ryan mentioned, uh, his reactions were getting a lot lot worse and giving people space to just straight punch did not go well for him so the way that he fixed it was to just go as hard as possible for two rounds in terms of pressure uh, and not necessarily like throwing a ton but pushing guys back forcing them to react to him instead of being the one uh, you know because in his prime he would be able to react to people super well but uh, he took the load off himself in that way and then when it came to the third round he just stalled out which is another <laughs> reasonable way to to fight just a fight fucking like that. dies in the third round yeah just either he takes your back in the first three seconds or he's just going to get 10 aided. Let's move on. So uh, Stephen Ray asked the next question. He's a Discord patron as well, but he went to Twitter because he uh, really it's my fault because I put the Twitter question up first and then didn't have a separate thing for the patrons. But um, he asked two questions. We're just going to do one. Uh, here's one that I think is the more interesting one. Um, is who would be the worst potential matchup for Prime Mighty Mouse? I'm going to say just at flyweight. And the answer is Zach Makovsky because Mighty Mouse's weakness is being wrestled and Zach would wrestle him at the end. Adriano Marais. (laughs) (laughs) What about people that were actually in his division and good at the time that he was champion? Adriano Marais was both in his division and good when he was champion. Wasn't he a Bantamweight? No, he's never fought a Bantamweight. Okay. You just got it off by the the one propaganda. I accept that, Ryan. Should I? I don't know. Any other answers? No, I think that's the best answers. Um, yeah, Mighty Mouse, uh, I feel like he took on a bunch of different types of matchups and proved that he's very versatile. So it's not like, oh, there's one type of guy that definitely would have beat him. If you're saying like cross-weight matchups, yeah, like the, the, the greats, like GSP and Aldo probably would have been really bad for him. Habib Cruz would be awful. Habib Cru- would have been bad Cruz for him. Cruz would have won again also. At size yeah, parity, I'm not sure. But oh, yeah, no, I think Tim Elliott I'm just saying if they reactive takedown him so much that yeah. I can't see him beating Cruz. I feel like something was off, like he was injured or something, because like he no. didn't look that easy to take down against worse wrestlers than Tim Elliott. But it's it's tough to say. Better Yano would beat him up. Do you speak Russian? 
No, well, Yan would beat him up. She really rolled saying. your R. I was like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same like, thing you did with Barboza. He went like Barboza. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> would it, it like be that it. bad of a pick to say honestly second fight Zahudo might have been the most difficult fight for him even if he didn't screw up his leg earlier in the fight he might have been able to like actually strike with him and that could have been able things. to win like one or two rounds yeah yeah but instead <laughs> he was like useless on the feet and had to hold him for a little bit to convince the judges that he was doing something Jan, Jan Blachowicz would beat Mighty Mouse just yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. shut the fuck up kick Benio <laughs> 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 he would hit a double leg. He would hit a double leg on the first round. Uh, yeah, he defend all uh, the kicks. I'm now imagining <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we're we're into something right now. <laughs> I'm now imagining like knowing that what we know about Mighty Mouse, him fighting Yan at Bantamweight, and it's like that would be so bad. That's... It could be called a hate crime. Like yeah. Jesus so Christ, cruel. not okay. Not okay. Yeah, that's a good question, Stephen. Uh, but yeah, Mighty Mouse, I, I think, is pretty versatile. Could could go well against a lot of different matchups, but there are definitely a few guys that you could pick out that would just kill him. Um, but that's the thing about MMA is those guys don't, aren't always there and unless you get robbed. Okay, this one is from on Twitter. Again, zippy bunch of numbers, and it wasn't like a bunch of numbers. It actually is in you know letters, bunch of numbers. No, um, it's it's actually a bunch of numbers. I just couldn't be asked typing all those numbers. When, oh, is it really? Oh. Yeah. You know, copy and paste is a thing, right? Not in Russia. They haven't got it yet. When we were preparing for the podcast, you got to that one. You said it like it was like it was a bunch of numbers. You're like, oh, I can't read that bunch of numbers because it was said that on, it said bunch of numbers on the doc. And I, the way you said it made me think that that was really. Oh, my God. Anyway, I just wanted to mess with, to mess with you. That's uh, it. I've been messed with. I've, I love I've how been Ryan found a way to be racist at the last minute. He was like checking his page of notes that he needed to copy. <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot the racist part. Oh, I'm, I'm Russians. Got to shoehorn that in. Um, but Zippy asks, uh, favorite fighters I mean, at in least, the heavier weight classes. Do we have any? Uh, None. At least next question. <laughs> at least Ryan didn't didn't uh, bring up the Mongolian thing. What's what's a slur for the Mongols? Are we talking, <laughs> uh, are we talking all time? Or are we talking like current? Sure. Do you have one? You finished. Talking. I'm talking I mean, both. Jan Blahovich, pound for pound, number one all time. Uh, uh, I mean, Brock, Fyodor, like Brock. Listen, he's the reason I started watching, <laughs> win the reason I started watching MMA. So I'm like always gonna have that fondness for him. That's an issue. You should you should seek help. Um, Shamil Abdurahimov. Shamil, yeah, he catches kicks. It's yeah. a, uh, a good skill win. to have. Fucking fucking Ryan Bader, obviously. Yeah. Ew. Bader was cool uh, a couple times. Yeah, that's not obvious at all unless we know you. No, that you guys may happen to know me. No, no. Aside, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Thing. Side note. No, I'm sorry, you guys. I remember being back in his buddy elbow days. He was the OG Ryan Bader stand. I, I am that, legitimately so. the OG. So he, he, he was. He was. He was the OG. Like, <laughs> I wrote a whole I big freaking article fight. about Ryan Bader. I always, you know like, that. Him, I know you I did. I actually really love that article. I actually have a bookmark. Um, like seriously, I have a bookmark to this day. Um, <laughs> That's sad. The, the, <laughs> I really anything praising Ryan Bader, and I'm fucking on it. Uh, I I wrote it. This is the funniest thing. I'll share it with you guys if you want. It's the fucking I don't. Dumbest we definitely thing. don't want that. It's <laughs> me no. explaining why Ryan Bader could beat Leona Machida, like the original one. Oh, <laughs> I do want that. I, that is that is how I became a bloody elbow meme because not a bad boxer by any means came from that. It just became a meme <laughs> in bloody elbow because of that. Every time anything Ryan Bader brought up, is like, I'm going to say that about uh, Yair Rodriguez. I'm going to say Yair is not a bad boxer by any means before the max fight to, to inflict a similar curse on him. <laughs> not that he needs the help to get beat up, but I'd like it to happen. Here, I'll um, send it to you guys. I'll find next it. question. We're almost there. We're so close. 
Uh, this one is from F T J F K O. Does it stand for something? Who knows? What are your thoughts on the UFC rise of late bloomers in Jan Blakovitz as well as Charles Oliveira, Glover Teixeira, and Dustin Poirier? I feel like we covered this a lot with like the people whose development pleasantly surprised us. You know what I mean? I mean, pretty much, yeah. 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 I'm cool to skip it. <laughs> yeah, I said all I have to say about Jan, which is that he's the best fighter of all time. It's only <laughs> 1 a.m. here for me, so I'm, I'm running on fumes. All right, last question. <laughs> What cross promotional title fights would you actually like to make happen? Triple A versus Charles Oliveira. Triple A versus Patricio Pitbull. Pitbull versus pretty much any of the top guys. Pitbull versus Oliveira. Pitbull versus Poirier versus Gagey. Like, like, that's not the chance. (laughs) Oh, Poirier versus Figueroa. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, that's just like an obvious one. Sergio Pettis versus Peter Jan. Just, just. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, other than Pitbull, Shut probably AAA. AAA yeah. seems like it'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, AAA yeah. against all the likewitch. Just look up the any ACA title holder below middleweight from two years ago and have him fight the UFC champ of the corresponding division. Because it'd be funny. <laughs> what happens when the most double underhookable man in the world meets Usman? Um, and just to be mean to, to Ben, because I haven't bullied him on camera, I'd really like to see Ryan Bader come back and fight Ngannou. I think that'd be a great <laughs> fight with so much to show us. <laughs> you got one of the bad ACA heavyweight Russian champions to fight Ngannou? That'd be fun. Evgeny Goncharov. I don't even know his name. I'm, I'm shocked you know that, that you do and you shouldn't. It's appalling. <laughs> Where you saw Yagshin Muradov fight in Belgium, it didn't go so well. I told I everyone was it was really bad. They didn't listen. You called him Woodley. That's the highest insult. Unathletic Turk, many Woodley. They're, they're not a... champions. They're not champions, but I would be very excited to see Rustam Kavilov versus um, Brent Primus. you mean Primus. Karimov? Brent Primus. No, no, no. <laughs> Rustam Kavilov versus Brent Primus. That, Why would you want to see I'm Kavilov never going to watch Rustam Kavilov. <laughs> Just waiting for 15 minutes to see if he gets Gogo Plata. <laughs> What's a Japanese fighter who fights at Bantamweight that weebs like that can Kai get Asakura. beat Horiguchi. by Petrian? Kai Asakura. Yeah. yeah actually, Horiguchi yeah. versus Figueredo. That's a good one. Asakura, Asakura would get his ass handled to him by Pantoja. So. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, what other organizations are there? PFL champs, not really interesting. Mm. Um, is there anything else? Uh, Demiris Magulov when he was M1 champ against whoever was a lightweight champ at, a t- at the time. Sir, um, stop trying to make Demir happen. Wasn't He's never going to Magalesh a M1 champ at one point? Yeah. Who's, who's the jungle fights champion? Everyone. <laughs> Jacare, all the Brazilian dudes in the UFC were jungle fight champs. I think Oliveira fought there, didn't he? Maybe. Uh, I think uh, if Jacare was a champ in jungle fought. fights, the entire organization. One of the Oliveiras definitely fought there. Wait, wasn't jungle fights the one that Ed Soros owned? Maybe. Because a lot of his fighters fought there. Is a uh, Unice of the uh, the flyweight champ? Basically, he's nothing anymore. But that's sad. He would be a compelling fight for Figueroa. Um, um, oh wait, Adrian when Shabli is the uh, Bellator champ, I'd like to see Alexander Shabli uh, fight retired Khabib. Uh, hello, Adriano Marais. Or Gaethje, just fight just fight Gaethje at the top. <laughs> Everyone should fight Gaethje. Shabli Gaethje is a really good fight. Yeah, Mariah's just big would be fun as fuck. Yeah, it'd be the 
two biggest flyweights who are never actually bantamweights, but people just think they're bantamweights. I love giant <laughs> Brazilians fighting each other. It's the best. You know, the best thing about being a Gage fan is that I don't give a shit like whether he loses or not. Neither I just want he. to see some. <laughs> I just want to see. And no one gives less of a shit if Gage loses than Trevor fucking Whitman does. He, <laughs> like, he, he prefers it when he, he loses. Yeah, he wants him to die in the cage. It's nah, really he, fucking weird. He wanted, he wanted him to lose so he can turn him into a bad fighter that loses too heavy. <laughs> is there anything that people were dying to talk about in this podcast that they didn't get a chance to? I know, Dan, you've been holding it in sleep. your Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh! thoughts. Ryan, isn't it like four hours behind? What no, no, I got, I, got, I got nothing, but I do have a crossover matchup. Uh, me and Bed, because my melatonin's killing me. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night, Ben. I called you Ben, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I Ryan guess just wants Ben really to go away. To yeah, that. That's it. I guess the, the I forgot to mention that the reason I really got into combat sports, like in the first place, was that uh, is that my father or uh, grandfather is uh, is one of the OG samba wrestlers from uh, Buretia that's wrestled at a really high level, and that sort of just kind of combat sports have always been a part of my life, so that's why I got into it. Just 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 wanted to plug my grandpa. Five Stan Tuman's grandpa. Yeah, we do. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, this was the the second party podcast. We're not going to do another one for a long time, I don't think. Uh, this has been the longest podcast in the history of. Podcasts. Oh my god! Uh, but maybe a few of you will enjoy it. We'll put. I, I'm no coward. I'm going to put this one out for real, for real. Um, it oh wasn't nearly god. as racist as as the 50th <laughs> episode, so I think we're safe. Um, but yeah, if you haven't listened to the 50th episode, become a Patreon of the fight, the patron of the fight site <laughs> on Patreon, uh, and listen to the 50th episode or watch it. And, uh, the video for this one will be on Patreon as well. If you're listening on a free audio platform and also check out all the other cool stuff we have on Patreon, there's like almost 200 pieces of content and it's none of them are short. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot. So if you're not a freaking coward. Subscribe on Patreon and uh, let some more good stuff come in. And does anyone have anything to say about uh, anything at all? Jerky. Listen, listen, a mailbag, Tengredon part two, uh, coming sometime in the middle, sometime in the middle of next week, or maybe at the end of this week. That depends. I still need to do some research on some of the questions that have been asked. That's it. And uh, maybe, maybe, oh, Ben left, but we've started a new series that um, has to do with uh, classic fights, mostly just classic boxing fights, but it's going to be classic MMA as well. And so at some point in the future, classic kickboxing, maybe Muay Thai, all that stuff. Basically, it's just uh, fighting classics. It's called Pugilistic Classics. It's up on uh, the podcast network. We just, we commentate and discuss the fights that we watched, break them down, uh, explain why they're cool, and you can watch along with us. Um, buy my beef jerky uh, let us know what kind of stuff you want to see us make merch out of because if you guys want to, us to put some stuff together for you we're more than happy to all uh, your favorite quotes from this podcast and request them to be on shirts <laughs> absolutely um, yeah like just stuff that you'd want to see us put together so that you can support and support us uh, make sure you follow uh, Trey on Twitter and support him because 
that dude is going to be a really fucking good fighter and you should get on the bandwagon now already is he already is but he's going to be a really good and famous fighter so you should get on the bandwagon now before he's famous because maybe he'll follow you back but when he gets like thirty thousand followers forty thousand fifty thousand hundred thousand he probably won't know you or care about you (laughs) no listen ben is ben is very nice but i cannot i I cannot condone following me on twitter because you should not be on twitter uh (laughs) <laughs> that's a very fair statement i can't condone that um, uh, for anyone who's still watching we should probably let them off the hook at this point it's been like three hours yeah. hold on one question jack where are you wrestling next i can't believe you're still here jack died that's <laughs> well, I've, I've been just what the fuck i've been playing football manager the whole time <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually, that's why when you ask me something it takes like a second because i have to like change windows You've been chilling. Where are you wrestling next? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to be uh, hopefully on the Stalemates card at the end of July. Oh, that's so cool. It's um, it's going to be a, a wrestling media event, basically figures in the wrestling world, media. I don't know who else, but personalities that aren't wrestlers, they're people associated with wrestling are going to have to actually wrestle. Uh, Jack, um, you're wrestling yeah, how- for the honor of the fight site. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack, how old are you? Because I, I like there are twenty three. Okay, yeah. Holy shit, you so, you are young as fuck. Yeah, I'm twenty three as well, so that's cool. We're twenty. You guys wrestlers. are young as fuck. Uh, but no, yeah, because I didn't know they had like adult wrestling competitions that went outside of high school. Oh yeah, there's tons. But, what what's, what state are you in, Jack? Michigan. Okay, that probably makes. So sense. This is like a guy on Twitter yeah, who like has yeah. his own YouTube channel about wrestling. Like, it's not like an individual states competition. This is like a a, a meme competition, but it's gonna be funny. Okay. I'm Jackson Kickass. Do you, do you want to close yes. the show? <laughs> yeah, we can close the show. Um, thank you for listening. If you did, this is you know one of our longest podcasts ever. Um, but you know, some of you are are super duper psychos who really like our content, and obviously, you asked all those insane questions, so you care, um, which is cool. But yeah, maybe uh, maybe touch grass. I don't know. That's just my suggestion. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back to a normal MMA podcast next week because we have a, a good pay per view coming You're up. Coming up. And that'll be very, very nice to get back to regular content. But yeah, back-to-back party podcasts. We're not going to do another one for a long time. Maybe like episode 75 or 100. Um, but yeah, we're just chilling for now. But this is a, a glimpse into what it's like in our chats on a day-to-day basis. This is very normal for us. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. And good night. Bye.